I like these calm little moments before the storm. It reminds me of Beethoven. Welcome to 60MW Podcast. I'm Chris and I'm joined by my silent man of little words assassin. Or is he a little girl in a man's body? We'll find out during the course of the show. It's Adam Parry. Hello. Uh, bonjour, Christopher. Uh, je m'appelle Petit Pois. <laughs> Would you like to see my big baguette? Le, le pig, le piggy squeak squeak, honky honk. Um, <laughs> I'm slightly confused. You you said, am I a... Am I, oh, no, right, I got you. No, shut up, carry on. No, you got it? You got it there in yes. the end? Yes. That's all right then. Anyway, with that... something more nefarious. <laughs> yes, well, with those, with those little clues, this is a Spotlight Reflection movie show where we go back to the films of our childhood or a little bit advanced in years, as is the case with this um, this film that we're going to be talking about in this particular show. And we re-watch them. Uh, we haven't seen them for many, many years and we see if they match up to the memory. And um, in this particular episode, we are going to be revisiting from 1994, Luc Besson directed and wrote Leon, or also known as The Professional in America. Um, just out of interest, what title do you prefer? Leon. Yeah. I know it. I know it as Leon. The Professional is completely bland. Yes, uh, it is very bland, and also, you know, it just reminds me of The Professionals, which was a TV yes. show that we used to watch in this country, which had Bodie and Doyle, and um, and Cowley. Did you used to watch that? No, no, I didn't. I know of it, but I didn't. I didn't used to watch it. It had a kick-ass like theme tune, didn't it? Oh, was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know that. You yeah. got that from my shite yes. impression of yeah, it. Yeah, my brain reprogrammed it into something that made sense. Ah, uh, there you go. It's one of those shows that I used to watch when I was a kid. But anyway. The Professional, or Leon, as um, just and whenever we talk about Leon, I always think about um, AWOL because that was another name for AWOL, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that got multiple names. Seems to remember. You don't think of the hipster, independent sort of burger chain type thing. What Leon? Yeah, is there a burger chain called Leon? Well, kind of burger chain. They do rice boxes and burgers and fish finger sandwiches and there's a lot of vegan things and it's it's expensive That's oh. they sell sauces in the supermarket as well i've never i never knew that see i'm always learning something every day is yeah. a learning day isn't it so i didn't <laughs> yeah. know that um take, take that fun fact with you out into the world tomorrow <laughs> and well and some of our listeners potentially as well though <laughs> if you, you want to, you know, jog your memory of a film from 1994, go out and buy some sources. Yeah, um, we're going to help our Brazilian contingent of listeners. 
Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyway, so um, let's let's take ourselves back to 1994 before we get into the film a little bit. Because I was just going through. I know normally I do your little quiz, don't I? You know you what do. were the uh, you know biggest grossing movies of that year, or which won the Oscars, etc. But we've already done a film from 1994, and I dare say that we may have already mentioned some of them already. So what I thought I'd just do is uh, just. I had a quick look to see what films were released in 1994 because we were still in the throes of VHS. DVD hadn't quite reached us yet, had it? No, well, a few years yet. Well, it was like three or four... Good, good three or four years, weren't we, from DVD, I think. Yeah, I think it was 97, 98 when I yeah. looked at getting my first DVD player. Because uh, I remember Rush Hour was one of the first films that I got on DVD. Yeah, I think everyone had it because the, the choice was so limited. Yes. Um, and But anyway, so 1994, um, how old would I have been in 1994? Do you remember how old you were? I was 15. Ah, okay. So Still a child. Um, Still a child. You say, you know, oh, a bit older than children. 15's a kid. Yeah, it is. You're right. Um, so I would have been 18. Um, and... As we've mentioned before, uh, with one of the films that we've talked about, uh, if you want to go back and listen to some of the other shows that we've done, um, particularly on The Crow, which we did last year, I seem to remember, we think, but that was our Halloween film, wasn't it? It can't have been last year. 2021. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what? what? I thought it was this year. I thought it was about four films ago for some reason. <laughs> No, uh, it was. Tw- I'm sure it's 2021. We did. I picked it as a Halloween film. I'm sure yeah, I did. Yeah. No. Yeah. You, you, well, you are going to be right, aren't you? Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it was a year ago. That's mad, isn't it? Um. Anyway. So. Um. Yes. So some of the films that I remember from 1994. Um. 1994 had some good films. Not saying that all of these films on this list are good, but. Some of them are more notable than others. But these are ones that I remember either watching them at the cinema or watching them a lot on VHS. So my introduction to uh, the legend that is Jim Carrey. So watching Ace Ventura, Pet Detective a lot on VHS. I remember watching that at home and showing my mom. I don't think my mom was impressed with it by particularly, but I quite liked it. You got any thoughts on that? Any on strong that, thoughts? I don't think I saw I don't. I think I saw it like a couple of years after release. Because I saw the trailers and it, it looked like it would really annoy me, and I didn't like it. I think I went back and watched it after they did Dumb and Dumber, when I figured out Jim Carrey might not annoy me quite as much. But I've never been a massive fan. No, um, yeah, he's he's one of those. I think you know he, he kind of had that time in the movies, didn't he, where he was just mm. making hits after hit, and he was one of the biggest paid um, stars of Hollywood. And then he did The Cable Guy, which I think he got paid a bunch of money for, and it flopped massively yeah, it kind but of tanked, didn't it? Hmm? it tanked I yes think. yes hugely um, but 1994 was a good year for jim carrey because looking at the other films he released so you got the mask which i went to the cinema to watch um and also dumb and dumber well, so maybe, maybe it wasn't a couple of years after that <laughs> ace ventura he released three films in one year yeah you don't get that these days, do you? No, he was very hardworking. He did mm. he did do a lot of movies. And then, like I said, they seemed to be... I think Ace Ventura was the, the catalyst for his stardom. Because I remember he had a bit of a bit part in the Deadpool from 1988, which is a Clint Eastwood movie, uh, Dirty Harry. And, um, yeah, if you go to YouTube, you haven't seen that, he does a bit of a... He sings along, he mimes along to Welcome to the Jungle with uh, from Guns N' Roses, which uh, is very bizarre, but he's one of the people that 
ends up getting killed. But still, anyway. He also appeared, uh, it ties back nicely a couple of years, he also appears in a trailer on the VHS of Return of the Living Dead for a film called, I believe, Once Bitten. Ooh, okay. I've not seen that. Is he a vampire? I take it's a vampire film. Yeah, I think he is, yeah. yeah. Looks like a vampire comedy type thing. Ah, okay. Um, On Deadly Ground with Steven Seagal, which is shite. I mean, I've watched it recently, and it's not a very good film, but I just remember it It was one of those films that it came out, because Steven Seagal, he did um, Under Siege Siege, in 1992, and then, you know, he started to become a bit more of a a star, Uh, and this was his eco film, you know, he went all eco, and he was preaching about, you know, we've got to look after the environment, etc., while I murder about a million people. (laughs) This is when Michael Caine had terribly dyed hair in that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Who yeah. had the worst hair? Was it Seagal or Caine? I couldn't make my mind up. Um, and then uh, Naked Gun 33 and 3rd, The Final Insult. That was quite fun with Anna Nicole Lord Smith. Bless, Lord bless Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Serial uh, Mom with Kathleen Turner. I think I quite enjoyed that. Was, uh, John Waters directed that. It's a fun film where she's basically a serial killer. And... Um, it's it was a bit of ahead of its time really because I suppose it was one of those where it's it was a comedy it was a black comedy but it's sort of explored the idea of people idolizing infamous people like murderers or whatever you know and she became although she was a, a, you know a murderer and she got found out to be a murderer you know she she developed a fan club because of who she was you know so. I've never seen it yeah it's good fun um, I think I never saw it because it's because it was serial mom. And not serial mum. Oh. <laughs> um, you picky bastard. Uh, yeah. And then No Escape, which is another film. Um, I enjoyed watching Ray Liotta starred in that. So sort of shortly after, I suppose, he did... Uh, well, not shortly. It was like four years after he did um, Goodfellas. But um, yeah, quite a fun film. Um, so I, I think it's set in the future and he gets sent to like this prison planet and uh there's there's two warring factions and uh, it's got lance henriksen in it i think martin campbell directed it who did um goldeneye and uh the other bond film the first bond film with daniel craig craig which name escapes me oh the casino that's the one thank you uh the crow very very important film for me uh, growing up which we obviously discussed please go back and check that out it's one of my favorite shows that i think we've done um so yep beverly hills cop three. Ooh, i saw that in the cinema yes me I'm, too I was mildly disappointed yeah i thought it was all right at the time having i haven't watched it for a long time but i i'd imagine it's a bit shite to be honest with you um speed god i have not i have not seen that since the days of vhs oh speed. That, that that needs to be one that i need to go back and watch at some point yeah, I haven't watched it for a few years, but it's a fucking good film. It's really good. Um, the Lion King. Didn't watch it at the time. Watched it probably maybe a, a year or so later. Um, but again, a notable film, I guess, yeah. from that that time. Forrest Gump. Mm, bag of shit. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. Uh, I think. Yeah, I've only seen it once and um, I have no strong feelings towards it particularly i think obviously it was a big winner at the oscars um can't quite understand why and you know very good in terms of digital effects and everything else you know Mm. but yeah yeah anyway uh true lies went to see that the cinema great film again i don't think i've seen that since the days of vhs either 
yeah, oh, great film, really good. Watched that yeah, about a year or so ago. Really, still good fun, holds up. It's one of Arnie's best, I think. Um, the Mask I mentioned, clear and present danger. Um, so, interesting one, I suppose, for Harrison Ford because he started doing the Jack Ryan movies and uh, did Patriot Games, then clear and present danger. I, I quite like it. It's, it's very sort of... Um, it's not an action film. I think that's the thing with these. They're more sort of drama and suspense. Oh, thrillers. I've never, I've never seen it. I don't think I've seen any. I don't think I've seen that or the one you did, the Patriot Games. Yeah, no, they, yeah. They're, they're good, but they're I suppose sort of different to what you'd expect from Harrison Ford. It's not like I said. There's a bits of action, but it's not yeah. loads of action. Uh, Natural Born Killers. I only ever saw it once and thought it was bollocks same here yeah i think it just garnered loads of controversy at the time didn't yeah. it because of uh the cut the subject matter and whatever um but i never took to it at all i didn't think it was very good um oliver stone directed that i'm sure he did uh time cop good old van damme yeah that's a decent movie uh shawshank redemption good film decent good it's all film. right it's all right isn't it um now, I remember getting that on VHS and watching it. And I think it's one of the few films where I've actually I watched it and I was so blown away by it. I, I watched it straight away again. <laughs> like, I like, sort of rewatched it, <laughs> rewound the tape and then rewatched it. And I don't think I've ever done that with a, a film again. Um, so, yeah. See, that's the thing. That that wasn't like sometimes you can watch a film on like DVD or streaming or whatever and you think, oh, I might watch that again. You just click straight into it. That was considered because you had, you had to wait for the fucking tape to rewind and that wasn't, that wasn't a quick process. Yeah. Do you remember fast rewind tapes? Um, no. I'm sure that they did something like fast rewind tapes. I don't, didn't, didn't they rewind quicker the further near the start they got, or have I just made that up in my head? No, I think you're right. They seemed to speed up, didn't they? Yeah, I think I'm sure they did. Start off just going, and then get the closer it got to the beginning. And I was always, you know, I always thought at some point I'm going to rewind it and it's going to snap. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, Pulp Fiction. What are your thoughts on Pulp Fiction? Now, I think. I think, well, no, I, I really liked it. But again, I don't think I've seen that since my early to mid-twenties. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, I saw it at the cinema. Uh, like I said, I saw a few films at the cinema. Uh, the film that we're going to talk about t- t- uh, tonight is is one of them. And it's sort of like almost like a back-to-back. You know, I remember watching Pulp Fiction um, one month and then uh, Leon the next month or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, wow, these are like two fucking great films. Do you know what I mean? And first, Pulp Fiction, obviously, everybody fell in love with Tarantino at that point, didn't they? And then, um, you know, so, and the rest is history, I guess. But yeah. Um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I've only seen it once. Not bad. Yeah. It's it's quite a clever little spin. Definitely ahead of its time. Mm. Definitely ahead of its time. Now, the film that I didn't watch when this was released, but I watched a few years or maybe a year or two after it came out, and I've, I, sort of, I haven't watched it for a long time, but I remember being obsessed with everything that Kevin Smith did. Uh, Clerks. I don't think I've seen it, and I don't think I want to see it. I don't think I like Kevin Smith. Okay. What? what I why not? Well, I saw some stuff with, what is it, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. I don't know what film it was. I just, I just didn't find it funny. I just found it really irritating. Mm. The, the people I hate anyway. Not not the actors, but those sort of people. I just thought, no, not, not for me. Yeah, I, I really like the original Clerks because it's, um, well, I don't know, it's it's just, it's just a fun film. But the 
I think the thing is, is with the Jay and Silent Bob, they were just cameos in all of the movies he did, like Chasing Amy and uh, More Rats and whatever. And then they had their own movie, and it, like, that didn't really work because they're fine in short bursts. But then when you put them in a big film, like for the whole running time, it just it runs out of steam quite quickly. But yeah. anyway, Clerks Three apparently has just been released, which I had no idea was coming. I think he seems to be going to that well. <laughs> Quite, <laughs> quite a lot, um, and also, I, I mean, it's he's been thin for a few years now, but because he, he used to be quite a big guy, but I, I can't look at him now, and he just doesn't look no, right. I have seen him. Yeah, he doesn't. Look, he looks weird. He still seems to be wearing the same clothes he wore when he was fat. Yeah, it is exactly right. He's wearing the same hat, the big overcoat, but he just yeah. looks like <laughs> you know, just looks like he's ill. Wear something that fits you, for Christ's sake. Exactly. You, know. you spend all that time losing your mass. Wear something that shows the fact you have been walking around like a fucking flying squirrel. You look stupid. Yeah. Well, the, you know, you've been deflated. Like the Michelin Man. He's sort of yeah. def- anyway. Uh, Stargate. Watching that. Remember watching that at the cinema? I've not. See, and I said I saw Beverly Hills Cop 3 at the cinema, but I think that was the last film I saw in the local cinema before it shut down. So this is why I've seen none of these in the cinema. Stargate. Didn't see. I think I rented that at some point. I haven't seen that for a while. Quite enjoyed mm. it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I like I like Egyptians and stuff and ancient Egypt, even though it's sort of not quite ancient Egypt, but it is, but it isn't, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's one of them. I, I watched it at the cinema and I was mildly disappointed with it because I like Kurt Russell, but mm. it didn't seem to have lots of action in it. And I was kind of expecting a bit more action. Um, yeah. it, there seemed to be a little bit towards the end, but it just, it seemed to take a while to get going. And then yeah. before, by the time it got going, it was over. So it was a bit, yeah, okay. Yeah, like a, it was a more considered blockbuster. It actually explained some things. Yes. To anyway. um, and uh, interestingly, directed by, I think it's Roland Emmerich or Dean Devlin. It's one of those two who do all the disaster movies like Independence yeah. Day and 2012 and whatever. So it's a bit different for them, I guess, but still. Yeah. Um, Interview with a Vampire. Oh, I've seen it once. Yeah. I quite enjoyed it. I think I watched it not long ago. And again, talking about child actors, because that's got Kirsten Dunst in it. So, you know, um, I thought thought it was all right. It was quite good. Um, I can't can't remember much about it, to be fair. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber, I've mentioned. And then Street Fighter, the movie. Yeah, that's a weird film, isn't it? Yeah. Because everything about it is awful. But it's kind of watchable. Yeah, it's a bit of a cult classic these days, yeah. I think. Because the, the following year, Mortal Kombat came out, and which I, I enjoyed. I saw that at the cinema as well. Um, I think I enjoyed that a lot more. But um, anywho, that was sort of like my little run-through of 1994 and some of the films that I remember watching a lot at the time. But the one that sort of stands out, out of that list is uh, Leon, uh, Leon, which, like as I mentioned, I saw at the cinema. And she, I haven't seen it for a very, very long time, and which is hence the reason why I decided to pick it. So um, what are your thoughts and memories on Leon? I saw Leon completely randomly um, when we went round my, mate, my mate's house, you know, well into floppy hair and wearing big baggy shirts outside of T-shirts on baggy jeans at the time. So, you know, I was all right, like a right cretin. <laughs> Did you have Grolsch tags on your boots? No, fuck me, I wasn't dangerous. Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But yeah, yeah, terrible baggy clothes. Probably, yeah, probably looked a bit like Kevin Smith, really. Yeah. With, um, with minus the facial hair. But, um, and yeah, the fatness, probably. <laughs> yeah, that is true, actually. I was a fucking <laughs> rake boy at the time. Um, remember my mate's house and his 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 mum and dad had rented it and just said, yeah, do you want to do you want to come round here and you know, well, do you want to stay here, have a couple of beers and watch this film with us? Hmm. And uh, watched it and really enjoyed it. Hmm. And uh, then um, bought it on VHS from Woolworths yeah. myself when it came out to buy. I bought it on DVD, DVD and I thought I well that's what I was going to watch this time. And so earlier on today I thought, well, God, get me Leon thing out. And Leon thing out, Leon DVD. <laughs> Put it in the old PlayStation. Yeah, American discs. I would have got it from Play USA back in the day yeah. for about six quid. And it don't work. Took it upstairs to the other one. And that's not, turns out that's not region free either. So I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, you know, I, had to, I had to buy a version on Amazon. Ah, well, that'll be an interesting, something that I guess we'll talk about in a bit, because I, I've got the Blu-ray, it's the, this is the first time I've actually watched this Blu-ray, but it does, yeah. it's a special edition, um, which contains the theatrical and the director's cut. Now, I was being very lazy um, on Saturday, and last Saturday just gone, and I was lying on the settee, and I was like, oh, I can't be, right. we haven't got a Blu-ray player or a DVD player in our living room, We've, it's, I've got, like you said, I've got a PlayStation in my room, but I was comfy, and I was like, I can't be arsed, so I'll have a look, you know, it was like four quid or whatever on Amazon, so, but then I noticed there were two versions, there was the director's cut, which I think is like two hours, 15 minutes, and then there's the theatrical version, or there's a, a version which doesn't say director's cut, so I thought, oh, I'll buy that one, and it ended up, I, it, it wasn't, well, it must have been some form of the director's cut because it was, like I said, it was the longer version and it was a yeah. version I've never seen before. Huh. Uh, um, and I'm not going to give away what I thought of that until the end. Yeah. And then, so, because I, I wanted to watch it, watch it without having to make notes because I hadn't seen it for such a long time. And then I've rewatched it again over the last day or two, which is the theatrical version. Which is an hour yeah. and 50 minutes long. Uh, uh, I think I ended up with the director's cut. Because there's always one scene that I remembered out of the director's cut. And um, that was in this one. And it was two hours 12. Yes. So there you go. So, um, uh, uh, say much longer film. Definitely longer. Um, and um, at the time, like I said, I saw it at the cinema and was blown away by it. I thought it was fantastic. Hmm. Uh, it was the... I'd say the, the internet really wasn't a thing back then. So you, you were reliant on magazines and other bits and pieces. So I can't say that I'd really heard much about Luke Besson. No. I do remember watching La Femme Nikita, which he released in 1990. Um, but I can't say I was blown away by that. Have you seen that? I've seen it once. And that was when I was at college. For some reason, we watched it. Uh, in one of my classes, and I can't, I can't remember much about it, to be fair. Yeah. So I just remember it being quite stylish and certain scenes in it which stuck out. And in one particular, uh, because Jean Reno stars in that as um, Victor, the cleaner, um, he's, I suppose, a bit of a cameo role. And just, again, just, I suppose, an interesting, from my point of view anyway, little thing that stuck out was that was remade in America. Um for uh, starring Bridget Fonda and it was called Point of No Return but it was yeah. called The Assassin in this country it was released in 1994 so, uh, oh it says 93 but I'm sure it came out in 94 uh, no actually I'm wrong it came out in 93 yes and um, a TV show have you, as well have you seen that? 
what? The, the assassin? No, I haven't. No. No. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, I mean, not shot for shot, but it's very similar to Nikita from what I remember, but just not as good, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I think I remember the poster. <laughs> yeah. About yeah. It, yeah. Um, so, Luke Besson, are there any films of his that stick out for you? God. Um, probably should have looked up. Well, he's done really, hadn't I? I know he's doing that. I'm sure I get him mixed up with someone else. Did he do um, Fook and Nora? Go on. What's it called? The Fifth Element. Yeah, he did that. That's That was mental. So, yeah, what, um, what are your thoughts? Because that came out in 97. So he, mm. he, he made Leon um, because he wanted to do The Fifth Element, but he couldn't do it at the time. So he, he sort of did Leon as a bit of a stopgap. And then in 97, he did um, or released The Fifth Element. But I remember at the time, The Fifth Element was a... A big release. It was a big blockbuster. Yeah. Um, I think I saw it at the cinema. I'm pretty sure I saw it at the cinema. And again, this might be controversial. I don't know, but I thought it was shite. Um, I didn't. I didn't particularly like it. I've only seen it once, to be fair. Yeah, but, um, I've, I've seen never it... really gone. Felt the need to to go and watch it again. Yeah, I've seen it a few times, but this. I appreciate the sort of like the, the the design of it, the set design, all that kind of stuff. You know, the the look of it. It's got a bit of a blade runnery type look. Um, but I think what lets it down for me is Bruce Willis just looks as if he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Like, what's he? What is he? Just looks confused as to what kind of film he's in. Um, yeah. And also, Chris Tucker's really annoying in it. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, Lee Evans pops up in it, and he's like what the fuck is he doing in this film as well? Uh, just very strange. And I suppose the one good thing in it was um, Mila Jovovich, I think her name's pronounced. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i not a big fan of it. Before she married, what's his name? And then only ever appeared in all of the films that he's ever made. All the Resident the, Evil films. Yeah, is it Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson, is it? That's the one, yeah. yeah. Um, but other, I must admit, other than that, there aren't a lot of films that stand out for me for for Jean Reno. I think because I haven't seen. I mean, the ones I've seen, obviously, I know prior to that he did The Big Blue, which again I think stars Jean Reno and Subway. Um, but I haven't seen them. But you know, we did Nikita, and he did Leon, and then he did The Fifth Element, and then that's about it for for, for me. <laughs> I haven't really seen anything else he's done what since then. Have you got Have you got a list? I'm looking at IMDb and there's definitely, yeah. yeah. The thing is, what I've found with him is that he seemed to produce films. He, he, everything, that, like, he got his name on stuff that he wasn't directing, like right. the Transporter movies um, and uh, Taken, you know. But it was almost as if putting his name on it was kind of, it wasn't him directing it, it was him producing yeah. it. Yeah, he gets a paycheck, but doesn't really have to do much. Yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, that that kind of thing. And then he was mates with, um, oh, what's his name? Oliver Megaton. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking name that is. That's a fucking great name. I think he direct, He did a one. Yeah, he did one of the Transporter movies. Do you like the Transporter movies? I've never, I've never watched them. Haven't you? To be honest. No. They're all right. The first ones all right. Then they go a bit mental after that. They're a bit shit. Um, you know, Jason Statham's <laughs> decent enough. As good as Jason Statham gets. I've not seen much Statham. I've saw him obviously in Lockstock and Snatch, and then 
I, I couldn't act for shit in them. He was terrible. In reality, he was terrible. <laughs> Fucking awful. Um, and then the last thing I saw him in was The Meg, which is absolute oh. arse. It's a terrible film. It's a terrible... It is a terrible film. I think he's Jason Statham. He just... He's Jason Statham. Yeah. That's what he plays, you know. He, he's he's a bit like Ray Winston in that yeah. this respect, yeah. you know. Ray, if whatever film Ray Winston's in, if you whether he's American, plays an American, or if he plays a British, <laughs> he always plays Ray Winston. He just yeah. he doesn't give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of want a Ray Winston and Jason Statham buddy cop film now. <laughs> yeah, um, but they could have done that because they Ray Winston did the, a remake of the Sweeney, and um, uh, what's his face. Statham could have been like his younger cop yeah. friend. I mean, it'd be terrible to watch if you're blind because you'd think there's only one character on screen. Yeah. They, yeah you fucking exactly. what? I don't know. What are you saying? Fuck off. <laughs> it'd just be the same. Fuck off, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, mm. so um, looking at the cast of uh, Leon, you got Jean Renault as Leon, um, Gary Oldman as Stansfield. Um, yes. Natalie Portman as Matilda, uh, Danny Aiello as Tony, and then you've got a lot of people who are henchmen or yes. other people who are, let's well, shall we say, inconsequential. Which sounds really bad. Because... Oh no! But, but in reality, there there's like four. There's four proper characters. Three characters in this really, and one or well, four characters. Four proper characters, call it. Yeah. The rest are just yeah people. But the one that stands out for me, who's got an awesome name, which I'm assuming is his real name, who plays first Stansfield man. <laughs> I didn't even give him a name. <laughs> his name's Willy Womblood. Yeah. Uh, that's his real name, apparently. Is it? Is it, though? It, well. Is, is he, that on his birth certificate? He's he's a white person. Uh, uh, he sort of, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Gary Oldman's character in True Romance. Thank uh, you. Do you know what? That's one of my questions. Because when I saw Gary Oldman in this, I don't know why. I know it wasn't this film, but I was like, "Why am I? Why have I got? Why have I got fucking Gary Oldman as a raster in my head?" And I was like, "I'm sure he was like a raster sort of person in, in a film." And then for the life of me, my brain wouldn't work and tell me which one it was. Yeah, True Romance. There you go. Brilliant. That was the Thank year before, I think, '93. Yeah. Um. So there you are. That. So the, the cast for for Leon then. Um. Now. Mm. Let's have a look at some uh, Metacritic reviews. We've got some. We have. We have. Amazing. Uh, do you want to take one? Take take yeah. one of the positive um, ones. So let's just have a quick look, yeah, actually. Let's recap on. score. 12 reviews. 64. That seems quite low, I have it to say. It does, doesn't it? It, do- it does. I was surprised by that. But we'll... Um... Ooh. Oh. Hmm. Uh, we'll go for the. I'm going to go for top whack. We'll go for the. Uh, we'll go for entertainment. Uh, something, which which is they've scored it in ninety one. Ooh. And uh, Lisa Schwartzbaum um, has said, Ah, Monsieur, you can lead a Frenchman to the Big Apple, but you can't make him a New Yorker, and that's exactly what makes the professional so fascinating. That is a shit review. It tells you it's absolutely awful, fuck it, yeah. all about the film. It's terrible. Uh, yeah. but, but at least you didn't score it 100, like some people. That is true. That is true. So, anyway. Uh, right, one of the more middling reviews then. We'll go with um, 
TV Guide magazine, our favourite, staff not credited. <laughs> uh, they, took, they took their name off it or didn't get the credit that they would, you know, deserve, should des- have been deserved of. What, I'm talking, what, was, what am I saying? I'm having a little bit of a stroke, I think. No, it's like going on about desserts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't get my words I out. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, no, so this is, uh, they say, they give it a 50. Uh, Luc Besson is a masterly director of stylish, thrilling and humorous action set pieces. And this film's bravura opening and closing sequences are two of the year's best. But they gave it a shit review. Yeah, that's weird. Don't get that still. Anyway. No, no wonder they're not credited. Fucking idiots. Um... (laughs) And then we have good old reliable Janet Maslin of the New York Times. Never heard of her. And her score of 30 and her the poxy little reviewette just says, uh, lacks the sexier land of La Femme Nikita and suffers from infinitely worse culture shock. Mm. Uh, so there you are. Now, I should have said as well, on IMDb, this has got an 8.5 out of 10 out of 1.1 million ratings. That's Real. not bad. That's probably no. the biggest one that we've done, I think, oh, in easily. terms of... easily, I think. I don't think we've it... had an 8, have we? We've had a 7.9, I think, but I don't know if we've had over an 8 yet. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about the number of people who have rated it as well. That's, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so there you go. Um now, the film was successful upon its release. Um, it had a budget of about $16 million and it made $46.1 million at the box office, which in these days isn't a lot, is it really? No. But it, it would have been, you know, a, a, a big hit. I think internationally it was quite a big hit as well. Um, so there you are. Now, have you got a synopsis? I do have a synopsis. I'm going to take the one off IMDb because the one on Metacritic's really long. I don't like it. Uh, so the synopsis for Lyon is as thus. 12-year-old Matilda is reluctantly taken in by Leon, a professional assassin, after her family is murdered. An unusual relationship forms as she becomes his protégé and learns the assassin's trade. Mm. Um, I should have said as well that I don't know what made me want to go and watch this i think it's probably one of those that i was just with a group of friends and we decided to go and watch uh watch it um otherwise i i can't have, it's not one of those films where i turned around and said oh let's go and watch this it looks awesome do you know what i mean you tend to go yeah. with the flow sometimes with your friends and whatever so um but anyway i'm glad i went to watch it um at the cinema so um yeah i think that's about it now we've got a trailer now we do on the Blu-ray, there's a, a trailer which has almost no dialogue. I don't know if you've watched that one. It's like a minute no. long, I think. Um, but then the one I found on YouTube is a lot better because it, you know, it has a bit of music in it, but it, it does explain a little bit about it. It's the the, the famous gravelly voice yeah. man, and he does his, you know, thing. Yeah, yeah is that in a world? Is that kind it's not. It's not. It's not quite. There's a bloke with a slightly deeper voice, isn't there? Who turns up? But he's. He's. But yeah. He's. I think one of the two main trailer voices. Yes. Of the eighties and nineties. Definitely. Um, so, uh, should we have a little listen to the trailer? Yeah. Okie dokie. Right. Here is the trailer for Leon or the Professional. If you're from America. Hi, Alan. 
So. <laughs> I've got to get it in. As like I said, it started kind of like, you know, say hello to Jason Isaacs kind of thing. But anyway, uh, right, here's the trailer. Let's talk business. This guy comes to town every Tuesday. Are you free Tuesday? Yeah, I'm free Tuesday. You can't stop what you can't see. This guy came from the outside. It was a pro. It was fast. In the art of the kill, Leon was the master. Somebody's coming up. Somebody's serious. He never missed a hit. He never got caught. You're indestructible. Bullets slide off you. You play with them. And above all else, he never had a reason to care. Until now. I like these calm little moments before the storm. My family was shot down by DEA officers. Three kids here. One of them is missing. Find her. He's opened the door. Please. From the director of La Femme Nikita. If you don't help me, I'll die tonight. I can feel it. An innocent girl with no one else to turn to. What exactly do you do for a living? Cleaner. You mean you're a hitman? Cool. A perfect assassin. I need you to help me, Leon. I want to get those dirtbags who killed my brother. With someone to finally believe in. Change ankle. Remember that, Leon. I will. They're about to come face to face with the cop who's crossed the line. Bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Right, that was the trailer. So uh, you got a bit of the story, what it's about, and um, there's a bit of music as well at the end. So I hope yeah. you enjoyed that. Now, I should have said as well that this was Natalie Portman's um, first acting role. Yeah. And um, I think she does rather well in it. Yeah. She does better than she did in the Star Wars films. Crap. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's funny, I watched... Um, Thor, Love and Thunder. That's the last film that I watched Natalie Portman in, and it's yeah. it's funny. It's it's odd to to think of her like having re- watched this, um, and she has you know she's a successful actress uh, or yeah. actor, whatever you want to say. Um, but yeah, she did seem to go very quickly from. And she, I watched um, some of the little mini documentaries where she was interviewed. I think it's like a ten year retrospective, and. She said, I think crediting, I suppose, part of the success of her career is that although she was a child actor, she didn't star in child films, did she? No, no. She started off in quite a grown-up film. And then she, she, I think, so that transition from, you know, child star to grown-up actor. Yeah, that bit where most of them fail. She never had to go through that, did she? Because she was always in adult films. Yeah. I don't mean adult films like that. 
Yeah, exactly. Because like she um, after this, she starred in Heat. She had a small role in that, um, uh, which again, <laughs> not a kids' film. Uh, and then after that, Mars Attacks. She had a little bit in there, and then she did Star Wars. You know, which whatever we think of it, it was a huge movie, and mm. it just propelled her even further into you know, I suppose the mainstream or whatever. Um, and you know, one of my favourite films that she's in is V for Vendetta. Have you watched that? Yeah, again, not not for a while, but yeah. Yeah, she's good in that. I do like it. Although her accent's a bit wobbly, but she is yeah. good in that. Um, and then, yeah, she's, um, she's you know, a, a pretty successful career, it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, seeing her in, in Leon as, I think, what, she was 12, 13 at the time. Uh, and then watching her in Thor, which, Love and Thunders, I don't know if you've watched it, fucking bag of shite. Yeah, I, yeah, I weren't a fan. Yeah. It was too too goofy. Too jokey, sort of like yeah, almost jokey a piss take and, of itself, you know. Yeah, and jumps too far from oh look funny to oh she's got cancer. Yes. Like, oh, all right, okay, we're making jokes, and then she's dying. All right, there's too too much of a jump there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so can I, can I just say I I found that trailer you put on I found that a bit weird. Okay. Um, why did I find it weird? I knew this a minute ago. Honest. Um, da, da, da. Oh, yeah, I just found the tone of it a bit weird. With the, with in general, it almost it almost came across slightly, not quite, but like it was edging on like a sort of fun film about you know oh, a fish out of water who's now got to look after a kid. Mm. Sort of like, but straddled that kind of in between kids and in between adults type films. Like he was a killer, but now. He's got a girl. And I almost expected like the sort of like comedy piano music to come in the background. I just found it quite weird. Mm, that would have been an interesting concept, wouldn't it? Well, no, but I just, it, that, that seemed to be what it was sort of half selling. I was like, oh, look how it's, it's kind of serious, but it's going to be a bit wacky as well. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, didn't, they didn't touch on some of the, some of the more... Uh, unusually uncomfortable scenes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, one of my favourite bits, and I constantly, consistently <laughs> let you down, and I'm sorry for this, but I haven't on this occasion because paper notes, oh, paper no. notes. Should do a little alert. Um, I'm, I'm semi just at the, just at that sound. <laughs> uh, I could, to be fair, I could just be rustling paper, and you wouldn't fucking know. But uh, I true, Are you lying to me. I promise you, I'm not. No. Um, now, this could well be the most amount of notes I've written for a film since we've started doing them. I must admit, I don't keep track, but how many pages of notes have you written for this film? Now, this is a really weird one, because I di- I, mm, what I did realise was that I had very few pages left in my, in my volume two um, uh, spotlight reflect- reflection notebook. So I had to be a bit more careful. So I've only done six pages, but they are quite neat. And I would say, actually, the writing is smaller than normal and I take up considerably more of each line. Wow. That makes sense. So usually it's like three or four words made like a bullet point. Whereas here I've got sentences and everything and it's it's fairly legible. It's It's amazing. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, the thing is, like I said to you just before we start recording, that when I do type things up, it's usually when I don't have a lot of time. Um, but I had a bit of um, extra time, so that's why I decided to write them. 
And um, I've, I've only got one page spare, so I was, I was panicking slightly. That I'd run out of, I'd so run my, out of space. Mine's on A4, and mm-hmm. um, it's my usual paragraphs, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, with a space in between when there's a, a, a new scene or something that happens that's slightly different to what I've just watched. Um, 12 pages. Fucking hell. I know. Really? Wow. I mean, because I've left gaps between kind of scenes because I took I took your um I nicked your thing there of usually separating scenes but I think where I, there are there are bits where I might have you know put a line but if if there was a quick fire succession of scenes I, I think I've clustered those together for fear of running out of space mm. well there you are so shall we get into it shall we yes. have a look and examine the film and uh, have a chat about what we like about it so um first thing for me is I quite liked the way it opens. You get a nice little flyover into the streets of New York, Central Park. I've never yeah. been to New York. Have you ever been? Uh, no. No. Isn't it but very the... similar to the opening of Predator? Uh, two. Sorry, Predator two. 2. Yeah, where it sort of goes water, forest. And obviously in this you don't think you're anywhere else, but then it goes up to the city, like the urban jungle. Uh, I haven't seen Predator 2 for a long time. I think it's on Disney Plus, actually. I might rewatch that now you've mentioned it. Um because the new film Prey's on there, which I've watched yeah. half of, but I haven't got around to watching the second half of it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's where my Predator 2 comparison starts and ends, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Um, but no, but I, no I and like uh, it, yeah. Go on. No, no, I was going to say, I did like it, yeah, as, as the opening, I liked it. Yeah, and also, I think, um, is I like throughout, is it's got a really nice score by Eric Serra. Um, yeah. It's, th- th- with his... I know you're probably bored of me talking about um, <laughs> people who do the music for films. What, what do you call them? Composers. Yeah, um, <laughs> so. well, it's, I'm not bored of it. I just don't... Because it's never been a thing that I've really sort of taken note. I know John Williams because, you know, and not Henrik Larson. What's his fucking name? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that one who does everything at the moment? Uh, Hans Zimmer. Name. There you go. Henrik Larsson, that would be amazing. <laughs> Swedish footballer. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I don't, I don't recognise a lot of other composers. I mean, I can, if someone says they did this, I can see this, I can see the similarities. But it's never been anything I've paid that much attention to. But I would agree, the music in this film, the score, and that is, is gem- I, I sat there actually for about an hour, hour and a half through, just thought, do you know what? All oh, this music's really good. Mm. Yeah. So um, if you watch Gold, Golden Eye, you'll know. The you know the similarities, should we say? He does like Golden his. Um, eh? That was my Tina Turner impression. Oh, nah. no, that's what. That's not it. Here we go. I was think I was going to do a that's Skyfall. That, I was getting Golden Eye <laughs> and Skyfall. <laughs> golden Eye, it's a Golden Eye. No, that's definitely Skyfall, isn't it? Well, it's yeah. Golden Eye. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a golden eye. Yeah, not golden eye. <laughs> golden eye. That's the one. It's like, well, there's not much difference. <laughs> not when I fucking sing it, there isn't. Anyway, yeah, anyway. No, it has, though. He's got a lovely score. Like I said, he likes his, um, uh, what, like Christmas bells type thing, you'll notice. Yeah. There's sort of like a jingly sound that goes through a lot of the music. But also... Like you said, a lot of the music or the 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 sounds that he uses really fit the scenes really well, mm. don't they? 
yeah, it's not overly bombastic or anything either. It's not, I don't know, it just, it just seems to work. It's not, it doesn't need to be put there to try and build tension. It's just part of the scene, you know. The music doesn't tell you how you're supposed to feel about it. Yeah, but there's, there's certain themes in it, like, I suppose you've got the, not action, but the suspense sort of little mm. bits. But then you've got the sad bits, the quiet bits. Um, and, you know, it just all fits really nicely. I think it's just a, it's just a yeah, it's a lovely score. And um, the songs that fit in with it as well, which we'll talk about later on. You've got Bjork and um, obviously Sting. Um, mm-hmm. They fit, they just seem to f- meld seamlessly with the film you know there's, there's times when you, you watch a film and the music that's used in it just works perfectly do you know what i mean and i can't think of that song by sting but it's shape of your heart or shape of my heart like that, yeah I, I, whenever i hear that i'll always think of leon yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, um, Bjork, this is how you can tell it's not an American director as well when the Bjork song kicks in because it, it, if it was American it would have been Dolly Parton 9 to 5 because of the montage <laughs> yes we'll get to that but anyway so um, like I said you you sort of like you know like you said the camera rises up over Central Park and then the, the other thing as well is that I, I've never been to New York but what I think this film does it, it really does capture the um, scale scale is a good word I like that of central uh, not central part of, of new york and the diversity mm-hmm. of it you know you've yeah. just the the sort of smaller streets you know the the bustling and of it all and then the bigger aspects of it, the big skyscrapers and all the bits and pieces um it's just i don't know you f- it feels quite authentic you know yeah i'm sure as well you know when it first zooms in as you going through the streets and it getting towards little italy does it does it keep the sound effects of like central park while it's going through it Oh, I don't know. Not I'm sure that. that it was still it was still playing like running water and things, even though it was in the city. I no, it's good. Know, good show. Reason, if, if that's true, there's probably a reason behind it, and I don't know what it is, but I liked it. Or, or you could have had a leak in your house or something. I don't know. That's true. Maybe. That's true. <laughs> so, anyway, and then, but one the other thing I noticed is having watched both um, versions is that the the theatrical version it's almost like it has the French. Uh, titles on it as well like, like you know it, it's a directed by it'll be like le director or whatever ah, is the but, film called le lion le lion <laughs> um but yeah lion dons le professionnel mm, um but it does and then like you said it sort of zooms in street level and then it goes into a shop which is it's all very nice i, I like it yeah. it's it's very cool um and then you get lots of close-ups of milk Glasses, smoking, lips, eyes. (laughs) Reflections in the glasses, yeah, which they blatantly kind of nicked when they made the Matrix with the pill Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. Um, Photo of a target. You know, you've got this person who you find out he's Tony. He's talking to Leon. um, And he's find out that he likes drinking milk. um, And the, the, the tone of the film changes a little bit when he drinks his milk, you know, because he asks him, are you free on Tuesday, you know, to do what you need yeah. to do with this guy? Um, and he says, yeah, I'm free on Tuesday. And then he puts the glass down. It's almost like there's this kind of sound that suggests something's going to happen now, you know. Yeah, the game is on. Yes. Um, and then you see the person who you saw in the photograph. He's entering the building. He's got some bodyguards. Um, and then he goes to his room they're drug dealers because they've got drugs or whatever, haven't they? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're there to basically just do the exchange, aren't they? Money for drugs or drugs for money, whichever way, whichever way round it is. Yeah, and then he goes in, he says, like, you know, half an hour, and then he sees a, a girl stroke woman, and then, you know, he says, I'll make it an hour. And he's just, he does this, like, weird thing, doesn't he? Oh, like, he, yeah. he almost comes. <laughs> it's not the first time we'll, we'll hear that kind of sound in this film, either. Which, uh, I mean, because, th- so... Obviously, we're going to talk about it, but, you know, it, it, she's quite, she looks quite young. It's not, yeah. you can't tell exactly how young she is, but she does look quite young. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think, she doesn't look like 14 or anything, but she, she looks a bit like a skull with a wig on. But um... <laughs> So, yeah, yeah that, but, but you do get the feeling that he's, he is... And this is the difference between he, I suppose, like you know, him and Leon is that mm. he is just a, a massive sleaze, isn't he? Yeah, sweaty, dirty pervert. Yes, uh, perfectly summed up. Yes, and so anyway, then uh, he gets a call on the the um, walkie-talkie, you know, and then you see this guy called Tonto, who's one of the bodyguards, and he's got a gun to his face, and they have this conversation. Looks, somebody looks, he looks serious, and then you know. I tell him I'm coming up, and then he gets the, you hear the gunshot through the walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I've always thought was a bit strange about this is that he's holding the walkie-talkie to the side of his face because you don't hold it right by your mouth, do you? No. And yet the walkie-talkie sort of splits in half perfectly, as if it's been shot. Yeah, true. But I do have I an explanation for this Ooh, later go on. on. Oh, okay. Oh, go on. What? Oh, no, I was going to say, have you got it now, or is it is it relevant later on? It is, this is it. So so the, this whole entire sequence, which lasts for about 10 minutes of the film, is now, uh, um, obviously, they're all panicking a little bit because they realise that somebody's coming up to, to kill them or do something bad, and then the elevator's coming up, they're all standing there. It's that classic thing, isn't it? You know, the, the doors open, they all open fire, and it turns out it's the person that was he's dead. He's, you know, yes. it was a decoy. Yeah, because he's already, um, has he launched that person over the banister at that point as well? Not quite. Oh, okay. But, yeah, we're getting there. And then, like you said, one of the bodyguards, he then, he goes to look over a banister and, you know, he yanks on his tie and he goes flying over the side. Um, and then, but this is the where the walkie-talkie comes in because uh, then you've got another one. And he, so like he's in a vent at this point and then he he hangs him like really quickly yeah. and he's walking talking drops on the floor and that splits in half. Good aim. He's a good aim with that noose because that noose was not much bigger than his head and he got him first time. Yes, he Leo did. would have been a very good fisherman as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's walkie-talkie splits in half. So maybe they got this special design where you got to sort of like take half of it off and it's the battery. I don't know why because that seems like a bit of a shit design, but still. <laughs> Uh, could be right, yeah. So, but yeah, so Leon is basically going around and he's picking them all off one by one. Um, and then uh, they're panicking, the fat dude's panicking. And then he's got about three or four bodyguards left. They'll run out to the balcony. The shutters come down yeah. and then massive amounts of gunfire. And it all suddenly stops. Uh, and then you see Leon's eye. He's looking at, he's like he's toying with them, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Although well, in reality, he's probably just making sure that it's only the only the fat bloke left in the room. But fat bloke gets his Uzi and just indiscriminately starts firing at the uh, at the shutters. 
runs out of ammo very quickly, which is actually nice to see because usually in films when someone's got an Uzi, you know, they never run out of bullets for quite a while, but one of them will, will empty a clip pretty sharpish. Mm. Um, yeah, and then he's panicking, he gets a phone, he starts uh, taking door handles off and trying to make himself as secure as possible, yeah. and he calls the police. And, mm. and then he's, he, he's doing this heavy breathing thing, uh, which is he's kind of relevant to the scene, you know, because he's, he's well, he's overweight and he's running around, so he's probably knackered yeah. and he's panicking. But then he backs up against the wall and then, well, or an open space, and all of a sudden out of a shadow you see... An, an arm and a knife being put to his throat and then he yeah. stops it's, it's almost like he stops breathing isn't it it's a fucking great shot it's it, a really it is good shot. It's a how it's how like shallow the the area that is lit up is it literally fits the fat man and you oh you know you don't you don't see any part of leon at all until his hand is basically right in front of his throat he you know, if you're going to say someone came out of the shadows, that's textbook. He came out of the fucking shadows. Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, he, he's almost like he, like Batman or the Punisher. I don't know if you've seen yeah. the Dolph Lundgren version of the Punisher where yes. the, the the opening sequence is, is very similar. Like he goes into a house and he, he slowly kills all the bodyguards. I think there's even one where he, he does the same thing with the hanging. Um. Yeah, I mean, if you took the killing out of it, he does more Batmaning in this scene than Batman has in any Batman film. Yeah, he is. He's just he's like, well, it builds him up to a point where you think, God, this guy's like he's fucking amazing, isn't he? He's he's yeah. really good at killing, you know. Um, and he's not just a blunt instrument that goes around, you know, machine gunning everything. He's no. He's quiet and stealthy. He's like Hitman, isn't he? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, do we think Hitman owes quite a lot to Leon? Possibly. Um, yeah, he's not Hitman when I play Hitman. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I play Hitman... Dolph Lundgren Punisher, is he? When you play it. Yeah, when I play Hitman, I start off with the best of intentions and then I end up getting caught being somewhere where I'm not and then I thought fuck it let's just see how many people I can kill before you know because I look at Hitman games sometimes right and I think you know all the, the ways that you, you know you can put plant some poison or you can set up an accident so he slips in the shower or some shit like that yeah. I think I've got zero patience for that <laughs> no I don't have the brain for it but I hear what you can do it's like that's amazing but when I play it, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I'll just shoot people. Yeah, I'll just garrot somebody if I can yeah. and then run away and, you know, <laughs> still. But yeah, so then anyway, um, he's obviously on the phone to the police and, he, you know, then he, he says, I'll call you back. And uh, then Leon makes him dial a number and then the, the hooker or girl, whatever you want to call her, walks past and they kind of both watch her leave. And um, then he phones, uh, he speaks to what you're assuming is the, because Tony's not the head, let's call him Mafia because it's Italian, yeah. you know, let's use a stereotype yeah. or whatever. Well, I think they are, aren't they? I think, I'm sure that it must be the Mafia. Yeah. So he's not, he's kind of like the, I suppose the, you know, the interim guy. He's got a little bit of power, but he's yeah. not the top guy, is he? No, no. He's like your, I was trying to think, is he, he's like your, what is he, like your Robert De Niro character in Goodfellas? Sort of middle management? Yeah, yeah. He's not, uh, he's not poorly, but he's, he's your middle, middle man. And um, so he has a conversation with this guy, he says, you know, basically, want you gone. But he lets him live, um, mm -hmm. surprisingly. And um, 
so then he puts the phone back to Leon. He says, right, okay, you know, let him go, make sure he understands, and then that's it. And um, and he makes it say that he understands, and then he just, like you said, he disappears into the yeah. shadows. It's like he actually vanishes, doesn't he? Because I'm, I'm trying to figure out is that a corridor or is that just a corner? I don't know. Because he turns around know. and goes, because he's not there. And I thought, is that a corridor? And I was trying to think, it must, be, it must be a corridor. It can't be a corner, because otherwise he's, he's genuinely vanished. Yeah. He's a genuine magician, and he's, he's a fucking apparition. It, it does set up that mystique, though, isn't it? And the, the thing yeah. is, this oh, is the first 10 minutes of the movie, you know, yeah. I clocked it. It's like 10 minutes of the film. It's like, fucking great opening. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, really, it's a really good scene. It's re- even though you you know well obviously you know he's not dying so he's going to get through this but it manages to ratchet up a bit of tension and everything as well but he's never in danger because he's so professional about it if you if you must mm. um and then you see i suppose he's a, a bit of an insight into his life because uh, he's on the subway home uh he drinks he's buying some milk he's he's the, the score changes as well because it's quite childlike you know when he sees him and he's not killing people basically um and he goes to his apartment uh he sees matilda on the stairs like looking sad and smoking um black eye yes and um you know he asks why she hid the cigarette and um then he realizes that she got a bruise on her cheek and she tries Mm. to cover it up but um she says she fell off a bike um and yeah, then he is sort of like he goes back into his apartment, and then you see the back of Gary Oldman. What I like about this, which I never noticed really until I started watching it again, I suppose you know as you do when you're watching films like this and you're writing down notes and stuff, is that the way that Gary Oldman is introduced is really cool because you don't see his face; you see the back of his head. Yeah, and the other guys doing all the talking. You, you know, you don't know these cops at the at the time. You know, you think they're maybe no, the drug no. dealers. You know, I'm thinking back to the first time I would have watched it. I wouldn't well, have known that they were cops. About, that surprised me about the trailer was that it, it gave away the fact that that they were cops in the in the first ten seconds of the trailer. Yeah, I thought well, that's a kind of a surprise. If I'd completely forgotten to be honest, because like I said I was I was looking at Gary Oldman, wondering why he hasn't got dreadlocks, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out he's also a policeman. So I completely forgotten that bit. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and he's... So the other cop is, is talking to the dad. Again, you establish it later on. He's Matilda's stepdad? No, he, or, no, he or is, is he her actually dad, isn't he? Dad? Yeah. The mum's not her mum. The sister's not her sister either. So I think that is her dad. But And, and she's got a brother, and that's her brother. Um, because no, that don't work, does it? Oh yeah, of course it does. No, no, that doesn't work. See, it I... might work. Yeah, I'm confused now. See, Unless I don't know that... whether she was a... mm. she's been adopted into this family somehow. Yeah, she doesn't bear much resemblance to her father, does she? In reality, no. Hmm. Um, maybe she came with her brother, and yeah, I'd, possibly. I'd... But uh, either way, so. The other cops doing all the talking, and the the, the conversations going along the lines of that they've used him as a, a drugs mule to hold some drugs, and they when they gave him the drugs, it was a hundred percent pure, and then it's been diluted, so he's either taken some or he's done something to it, yeah, and so they want it back. It? Yeah, and he's in deep shit. <laughs> and he's he's asking him to admit it because if you don't admit it, I've then got to disturb him, 
and he's listening to his music and he really doesn't like it when you interrupt his music. But uh, her dad's you know, just steadfast that he hasn't done anything wrong. Um, so <laughs> the other bloke is sort of semi-shitting himself when he has to disrupt Stansfield off, out of his music because mm. he tells the, he tells her dad that he can sniff out sniff out liars. And that's the first thing, doesn't he? He just starts you know, sniffing Matilda's dad. Mm. And it's and, all very tense. Because, and, and touching him as well, like, yeah. you know, touching his face, touching his neck, his hair. You know what it reminds me of? You know when we spoke about Robocop? It's sort of like that scene where Dick Jones is in the bathroom with... Um, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, fuck, what's his name? Um brr. Um, the other guy, Miguel Ferrer. That's his real yes. name. <laughs> Can't think of his fucking <laughs> acting yeah, name. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, um, well, character name. Bill. Yeah, good old Bill. Yeah, and he's touching his hair, his knees. So I was like mm. making him feel uncomfortable, like because that's an an odd thing for for particularly for men to do to each other. Like you know, I suppose they don't. Gener- I mean, yeah, you look. I'll hug a mace or whatever, but I don't go and stroke his hair or sniff him. It's no. a fucking weird thing to do. <laughs> no, it's a manly pat on the back. That's what you get. So, but he believes him, doesn't he? Because he says, "Of course he didn't." Or, well, he tells him that he believes him, but then he, he tells him he's got till 12, 12 noon the next day to find out who did cut his dope. Yes, um, and so they leave. And um, he almost grows a pair, his dad, the dad does at this point, because he, as they're walking down the steps, he's like, you know, basically tells them to go and bollocks, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's, that's when you know he's a fucking idiot. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, it's, a, it's a good introduction for Gary Oldman's character, I think. You know, yeah, it's, it it's sets him up. He's really there. menacing. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not, it's not too much. It's not, it's not over the top. You know, we, we get to see you know, how how much more unhinged of a human he is. But even at this point, he's menacing. Mm-hmm. You know, Gary Oldman's not a particularly menacing fellow. He's not massive. He's not bulky. He doesn't look particularly mean. He's got a weird little bit of ratty facial hair going on. But he's a menacing human being in this. He is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then so Leon's watching through his little peephole. And then um, obviously the dad is rattled and upset by this. So because he's sits, oh, standing over Matilda... Uh, he takes it out on her and he mm-hmm. kicks her, n- not in a, you know, no, a, I suppose a, a violent way, but enough, you know, that it's not very pleasant. And then yeah. he slaps her in the face, which, yeah. you know. Is less pleasant, yeah. He sort of nudges, gives her a hefty nudge with a foot, then slaps her around the face as well, around the head. Yeah, and, and because of the bruise on her face, you know, it's obviously she's used to experiencing physical abuse um, yeah. from from, well... Everybody except her brother, I would imagine. Um, yeah, well, you, you basically get you you get to see that in a in a couple of minutes, don't you? You see what shitty fucking life she's got. Yeah, and so, but you get to so you get a bit more insight into Leon and what kind of person he is and how you know you see his apartment. She's very sparse. He's got his plants. He's armed to the teeth because he takes. Yeah, sorry. His... <laughs> sorry, Leon owns a plant. He is also armed to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, he he sees vest and it's just got weapons everywhere, grenades, <laughs> yeah. pistols, all sorts. Um, and he, then he's in a shower and he looks tired. You know, he looks yeah. and he, there's a there's a sadness to him. I think that's you know, yeah. um, it, it's a weariness, isn't it? It's, it's just he's good at what he does, but he's his life's just wearing him down. Yeah, nothing else. He's got nothing else because all he does is 
kill people, drink milk, polish a plant, and then sit sleeping in a chair ready to kill someone should someone try and kill him. Yeah, and he's drinking his milk alone, he's ironing, um, he's very meticulous about that, and then he, like it's almost he's almost like a machine powering down is kind of what I, I, I sort of thought about when he's sitting in his chair because he didn't sleep in a bed because he didn't want to get comfortable because like you said, it's almost like he's he's constantly having to watch his back, isn't he, you know? Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, it, it, it was, it looked, it looked like the way he did it, because he sort of lowers his head, like, and when he's sitting in the chair, it's almost like a machine kind of, you know, on standby, you know. <laughs> it is, yeah, you're right. Um, so that, anyway, the next day, it's, this is the total contrast opposite, because you see uh, Matilda's household, which is chaotic, to say the least. Mm. Um, and all the family are fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> except sister's, his except her brother yeah the sister's just a bitch just doing exercise routines and it sounds like they've got allocated television time but she won't let her let matilda watch tv because she's doing her fucking squats and you know splitting herself in half with a fucking g-string <laughs> mum i'm assuming the mum's a, a hooker i thought that she, it's never explicitly she, said no. but there's a sort of there's a line of dialogue that the dad mentions when yeah. he's getting a bit horny and they're in the bathroom together and he says, "Oh, why don't you work at home today?" Yeah, which well, she's dressed like a fucking strumpet, isn't she? You're not <laughs> to a, she's not going to do a professional job dressed like that. No. You know. Yeah. Oh, I, then, yeah, she's rough as a bag of nails. She's grim. She's grim. Um, and uh, yeah, and and it, you know, like I said. The sister's horrible. She's all stepsister. She's just a vile person. Um, and again, it's contrasted with Leon, who's doing sit-ups. And then the dad, like I said, he's horny. They're in the bathroom and um, they start getting it on. And then Matilda changes the channel, which then results in her being chased by the sister. And the yeah. sister that gives her a real good thumping, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because Mat- apparently Matilda's got a liking for Transformers. Yes. Um, and yeah, but so she runs into the hallway and she gives her a good couple of whacks on her back, which makes her cry. But I suppose in some respects, it doesn't leave any marks, does it? You know? No. Well, none you can see anyway. Yeah. Um, and then they bust into, well, just prior to that, they bust into the, the bathroom where, where the mom and dad is shagging. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's a phone call, which turns out to be the school that Matilda's supposed to be going to. And she hasn't been going for a few weeks. And um, she pretends to be the mom. And again, I like the music and this. And I like the way that Natalie Portman sort of like expresses, you know, almost like a bit of a sadness, really. Because she basically says that Matilda's dead, you know. Yeah. Which is, I suppose, she kind of how she feels, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah which is, she's got no life. No. At all. She's just a, she's just something to get hit. Or something to go and buy shopping. That's about it. She's not, you know, she's not thick. And she alludes later on to the only person, well, the only person she gives a fuck about is a brother because, because he gives her a hug. Yeah. And, you know, there's no, the, the brother really doesn't have any lines of dialogue or any kind no. of anything, really. He's just kind of there. But, you know, um, he's not like the others, is he? You know, because he's, he's a lot younger. He's probably, yeah. what, about, well, they I think they, they even say four, four don't they? Don't they? Yeah, he's, he's not been spoilt yet by this terrible upbringing. No, and so he hasn't... Whereas Matilda's, what, 12? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so she's old enough now to to suppose she she's experienced this for probably a while, whereas the brother hasn't, and he's coming to that point in his life where if it carries on, he will become, you know. Well, he's next in the firing line, isn't he, essentially? Damaged, you know. So, um, yeah, so anyway, then Leon's um, put his, puts his plant by the window and then he goes out and the dad's shouting as he walks past the uh, the door. And he's, like, the dad's just really, again, violent, abusive. He's, he's swearing, he's telling, you know, clean up the fucking mess or whatever. And, you know, got young children in the house. And it's it's just horrible, isn't it? And um, He's, an, he's but, just an arsehole. They're just all of them. Yes, um, but so he goes off to the cinema and... Um, he loves it. Hmm? He loves it. Leon loves the cinema. He's fucking got this goofy look on his face, hasn't he? <laughs> he doesn't, yeah. He doesn't smile many times in this film. And it's it's slightly disconcerting. It's, I mean, there's a weird, there's a weird innocent side to him. Mm-hmm. Which you see, where he just, got, he just sort of has this weird, grinny, gawping look at her. You know, while he's watching this old film, and like a child would have, it's he does reek of a man. Like he's a he's a man who's a contract killer, but he's got no experience at like living any kind of life. It seems, mm. and mm. you know, he, his stupid trousers that are too short and all sorts. Yes, just, yeah, it's like it, it's like he's slightly. I don't want to use the word retarded, but it's... It, well, it's it's true. I mean, they even described him, uh, in, like I said, in these little mini documentaries that I watched, as, as being slow. Yeah. And and, and it, it, there is this innocence to him, that you know, I suppose, that, that this childlike nature to him. Um, but he feels... I think this is where he feels most comfortable, you know, because he's... Uh, you don't generally see him like this, do you? No, no. He's always on edge, you know, really, I suppose, other than that... that moment um you know where he's in the cinema and he's just he can sort of i suppose be himself you know or be a version of himself yeah but um so anyway goes back to the apartment and matilda's standing there again um and this time she's got a bloody nose and um so i don't know you know somebody's given her a wallop and she asks you know is life always like this or is it just when you're a kid and you know leon says it's always like this and uh so he gives her a handkerchief, um, and this is the thing I think you know. This is the theme throughout the film as their relationship develops is that she's she's almost like she's grown up too fast because of everything that she's experienced, but yeah. she's still a child and she still wants to please him, and so she goes off to get him some milk, and yeah, it, there's almost like that that look of innocence. You know, it's like you know she wants because Leon. Although he's not really nice to her, in a, you know, he he doesn't go out and treat her to you know whatever. He doesn't give. He gives her a handkerchief to cover to to yeah. clean her bloody nose. Do you know what I mean? But the, you know, she gets she gets no kindness like that from anywhere else. It's such a small, tiny thing, but she latches onto it because she's got none of that in her life at all from an, any sort of adult, anyway, it, or any adult male, or like yeah. any adult really. They said, and, and particularly because you know he's well he didn't hit her and he's not horrible to her and so she's he's the only adult male that she's got any connection with because yeah like i said she didn't he didn't treat her badly <laughs> so it's um you know it's i suppose that's why she latches onto him so much to begin with anyway and then obviously later on um 
And so anyway, then it's three minutes to 12 and the cops start entering the building slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Slow, realise that yeah. they're all fucking heavily armed. Um, and the thing is, they all look, they don't look like cops either, do they? There's no. only really Stansfield that wears a suit. Yeah, but he looks like the man from Del Monte, so he doesn't exactly <laughs> look like a like a detective, does he? He's, um, yeah, they just look like a bu- they look like a bunch of drug dealers, to be honest. Yeah, they do, don't they? And that's what I'm saying. If you and I didn't know this when I first watched it, I didn't know that they were. I thought they they, they were drug dealers, but then you know, as as after shortly after this scene, you realise that they're not. <laughs> It's like going back to um, Blue Jean Cop, you know. Yeah. It kind of also, it does kind of explain how they get away with some stuff, though, because they are police. Mm. Whereas if other people had started firing guns in buildings, you think the police might turn up? Yes. Yeah. It kind of does explain it, yeah. And so this is a quite, a, I suppose, famous or infamous, depending on which way you look at it, scene where he he kind of rattles these tablets, these these yeah. capsules by his ear. Yeah, his, his little thing of lemsip, which he they really do, likes. don't they? <laughs> um, decongestants or something like that. And he takes one, <laughs> and then he kind of the camera is like above him, and he does this thing where he like cracks his neck and pulls this weird contorted face, like he's shuddering and yeah. What's in him? What's he having? <laughs> I don't want some. Because I've accidentally bit into a Beecham's before, and yeah, it's disgusting. That made me. That made me. Well, it didn't make me go on a shotgun rampage, but it certainly didn't give me any pleasure. Mm. Um, but he does seem to get him like almost kind of wound up a little bit, like he's. He, and he does. Like he says that thing, you know. Hyde, I, I love these little calm moments before yeah. the storm. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, but unfortunately, he's Hyde. As his normal bit, so it's like hide and mega hide. Yes, he's like he's a he's a nutter, and then this just this just takes off all of the fucking uh, mental blocks and whatever. Yeah, because like I said, in the initial scene where you see him, he's he's definitely menacing, but then mm. you realise that actually he's fucking insane. You know, he's just he's extremely dangerous and volatile because he gets a shotgun and he just goes around the room smashing through doors, killing people indiscriminately. The the way that he kills the mom is fucking brutal. I mean... Yeah. That's really well done, because basically she's in the bath, and you just see a top-down top, top down shot burst in there. Just blows her away with a shotgun. But it's done really well, because the bubbles... The bubbles kind of go up first, before, obviously, the blood pack goes pop on her, and it blows a hole in her. But it, I don't know what I done. I really, I just like the fact that the bubbles blew away first because it, it almost gave it gave the it gave the um, the shell some momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it makes it feel, feel real. That yeah, you know, you just think shit. She's actually killed her. Um, and then the, the sister's running around scared and screaming, "Daddy!" While Daddy's just fucking frozen. Yes. Um, and so she's running from room to room. He's going around shotgunning stuff, and he's got this thing about shooting people in the back, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, because yeah, he, he yeah blows her away in the back. Yeah, um, and as he's going from room to room, you know, this is why you get this feeling like earlier on, like from the cop who doesn't want to disturb him. They're all scared shitless of him, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You um, wonder how did he get away with it because everyone knows he's a fucking lunatic. Yeah, he's quite high up. Yeah, and also, I mean, you must think a little bit about because later on there's a scene where he, he's interviewed by what you imagine are internal affairs officers. Yeah, about the <laughs> what he, what's just happened, yeah. 
But is he must be quite high up in the police department or the DEA, mustn't mm. he? Yeah, because usually what? Yeah, if if it's, yeah, he, he's, his profile's not going to be very good. His his records are not going to be very. If that's if he can get away with 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 how he acts with them, then he must be pretty high up. He's got some leverage somewhere. Yeah. Um, so then, anyway, he goes into the room with the dad. I like the way he enters the room as well. He sort of like parts these beaded curtains. Um, yeah. It's it's almost it's so weird, isn't it? Because I think the thing about him is, like I said, he has these moments where he's he's very sort of how can I put it? It's like, kind of like theatrical. Theatrical. Way, that's what, I was thinking like, eccentric, but that I knew it wasn't right, so that's why I was delaying what I was saying. Theatrical is perfect. It's almost like the Joker. Yes. Sort of mercilessly violent, and then slightly theatrical on top of everything. Gary Oldman played Bleed Now, Freddie could have played. The Joker? Yes. Oh, absolutely right. It was, oh, no, he didn't play Alfred. He played um, Gordon, sorry. Commissioner Gordon. Yes, no. Mm. Um, and th- so then, you know, he's in the room with his dad, uh, with the dad, I should say, and he says, oh, oh it's one minute past 12, you know. And again, he, he almost like, acts like, damn it, you know. Um, uh, and then he does this talk about Beethoven, which again, is pretty unsettling. So the dad's just stood yeah. in the corner shitting himself. And I think, yeah. having, again, looked at this this retrospective, is because they, they uh, talk to the actor who plays the dad. I think his name is Michael Badalucci. And he didn't know a lot of what Oldman was going to do. And so he genuinely does look scared. In, in Like when he was doing all that stuff with his hair and he's like yeah. hugging, sniffing him. He didn't know he was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it adds to his performance, I think. Um, and then Matilda's in the shop and... Um, then the 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 brother's hiding under the bed, so because you haven't seen him for a little while, um, and then the dread dude um, is, he, he, which I thought was quite amusing, is a white man calling somebody a bumberclot, <laughs> which I thought was fucking hilarious, because <laughs> they're looking for the drugs, aren't they? Yeah, they're not doing very well because one of them is just yeah, one of them yeah, he's just one of them is just looking at the vinyl. Yes, and the, the, they're smashing up the house or the, the flat, yeah. the apartment, whatever you want to call it. Not that it makes much difference because it's a fucking shithole anyway. So you can't really <laughs> yeah. tell the difference. Um, and so then there's uh, the dad then, because there's there's all this stuff going on, you, very quickly and quite suddenly, and because you don't see it coming, you just see Oldman getting shot in the arm and then one of the other guys getting shot in the back. And then yeah. it turns out the dad's got a shotgun next to him. Um, mm-hmm. And then so... And this is all happening just as the one of the other men is about to get a knife and cut into the bed, which the boy is hiding under. So that's all ratcheting, ratcheting up the tension. Um, and then the boy gets up, runs away in slow motion. The dread guy is firing this machine pistol, which is like the one from um, Big Trouble in Little China that Jack Bur- yeah. Burton holds. Um, and you don't see him get shot. No. Which, you know, you know it's happened. Yeah, uh, which I think is really good because it's it's violent. It's a violent film, but it's not too yeah that, that, gratuitous. That would have been there was too no, much. There I think. Was, yeah, there was no need to show the kid getting shot. No, you can tell that he's been shot. You know, all this bullets been sprayed. You, you've seen him running. Bullets get sprayed everywhere. You can put two and two together. You don't need to see a, a four-year-old kid get the red splattered. Yeah, um, and then so then the dad. Um, He's running away, but then Stansfield shoots him in the back again. Um, mm-hmm. And then he realises that he's been shot. And he's he's more annoyed that his jacket's been ruined 
than yeah. anything else. Uh, and then he just stands over the dad shooting in the back constantly, yeah. which is pretty brutal. Yeah, till his number two tells him to stop, and uh, I can't remember the I can't remember the, uh, the fella's name. And um, you've had a couple of shots outside. There's a fella called Benny, and this is the thing. I mean, Stansfield rules by fear because the Benny outside is fucking shitting himself. <laughs> yeah, he's sweating like anything. He's breathing heavily. He, he's sh- shaking. He's he's scared shitless of what's happening. And um, the other bloke pokes his head out and he just fires his gun. And it, luckily it's the door frame and, and not them. And he's shouting at Benny because, you know, obviously almost killed him. And even then he's still got to tell Benny that we are coming out. Don't shoot. So the, they're all scared. Fucking shit. That's a Stansfield. Mm. It gets them uh, so worked up. And and Leon's watching this again through his peephole. And um, then they're standing... Uh, Stansfield and the number two, like you said, they're standing in the corridor, giving him a cigarette, telling him to calm down. And then this old woman comes out. <laughs> old woman whose neck is at 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she says, why don't you leave that family alone? <laughs> and, you know, he says, just go inside, ma'am. It's fine. And then he, and then Stansfield basically pull, pulls his gun up, shoots the glass behind her. <laughs> which, yeah. I mean, it's quite funny in some ways because then the num- the number two is like properly. Oh fuck! I can't leave him outside either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll go back inside. <laughs> so, um, and so then um, there's a slow mo shot of Matilda walking upstairs. Obviously, she's oblivious to all of this, and then she comes and she sees the dead bodies as she's walking past the apartment she yeah. realizes what's happened and then she yeah, also she hears, hears them arguing yeah about the four-year-old kid who's dead yeah which is i mean i think again i suppose using your imagination is probably worse than actually seeing it because yeah you know um you don't know whether she's seen the dead body of her four-year-old brother uh, you yeah. know, uh, you definitely know that she's seen the dad because you see you know that's where he was shot as he was trying to run away from the apartment but um yeah um, which you do later on find out where the the brother was kind of killed because of the yeah. chalk line. Yeah. Um, and then she she walks up to she walks straight past it all towards Leon's door and and um, I suppose this is the second sort of bit of where you see Portman's performance. You think, God, she's fucking good in this because yeah. um, well, she's begging one of, one of Leon to open the door. Yeah. We first watch it was like. It was like the first time I'd seen like a kid like act properly like in an adult film, mm. not like a kid like, like a kid's film. Yeah, she, she was yeah, like she's proper. Obviously, she panicking, grief, begging to be let in, and and Leon's don't have to take his time because he he, he knows that this is a, this is a this is a world of shit. He doesn't need his in in, uh, in his existence at all. Mm-hmm. This is completely alien for him, but. Yeah, she she has to ring the doorbell three times, and she's sitting there just because you see the like the perspective as if you're looking through the peephole, don't you? And she she asks him like three times to please, you know, please let me in. And eventually, he opens the door. And it, like when he opens the door, it's almost like she's bathed in white light, like it's like heaven, hmm. almost. Like, oh. like she's been saved. Yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah, the interesting. I just literally thought of this as as because as, uh, as as you've been describing it and talking about it, is that 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 scene is almost a bit. It's kind of similar to the the very end, which we'll talk about. Um, where oh, shit, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know, you you see, but we'll get to that. Um, remind me when we do. But um, 
so then because the cop's standing outside the door he's getting a bit suspicious so then and leon's he's just standing there watching still and she goes to put the milk in the fridge and um then they realize that there's a kid missing which the Mm -hmm. cop outside realizes and he walks towards leon's door and leon almost gets ready for action like to kill him um because he gets the gun, he puts up against the door where the, the other guy's head is. Um, and then the TV comes on. Again, it's like fucking Transformers. Transformers yeah. is constantly on, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Which is cool, but at the same time, Christ, you know, it's... I mean, it's... I suppose it is morning cartoons, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, true. So, because although it would have just been after 12 when it, when it you know, it all happened... But because um, but that's then startles Leon and the cop who then thinks ah oh, fuck it whatever and he walks off, um, and then the sirens outside and you realise the cops are coming and then so they they found the drugs at this point and they say right okay we're leaving but we're leaving the dread guy in hit yeah, there that confused the fuck out of me at first because when I didn't when I didn't because I still hadn't remembered that they were cops I was like why have they left a man behind to get arrested. Mm. And then it was like, no, 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 because they're policemen. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. But that's <laughs> it. That, that's the other thing, like you said, about the sort of like, he goes from almost being sort of normal in one scene to then, you know, because he says to, like, the, the, the dread guy says, what am I going to tell him? And he just sort of like, he, again, he's, he's kind of like behind that beaded veil curtain. And yeah. he says, tell them we were doing our jobs you know it's yeah. like oh fucking hell you know he's pretty sinister um and then you get quite a lot of uh, what i like this now is matilda and leon are talking and she's crying mm-hmm. and she says that a fam- family were all ho- horrible except for a brother yeah, um, she's only she's only upset at her brother being killed isn't he she said she would have probably killed her dad eventually anyway yeah her mum weren't a mum her sister weren't a sister she hated them but a brother was only four years old. What had he done wrong? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's good. It's again, it's a really good performance, and she's she's good at crying. <laughs> yeah, which uh, you know, I suppose it it reduces her performance quite a lot. But you buy into, I buy, in, I bought into. I thought it was, she's really, really good in it. You know, I know definitely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, she refers to one of them as being a pig, and and then Leon does this kind of weird, goofy thing. Which um, he says, look, I've got a pig. They're not dirty. They're not nasty or whatever. Yeah. And pig in my kitchen. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't believe him. And then he goes to get it. Pig. And so it turns out it's like an oven glove. Yeah. It, it, it's quite a weird scene. It's quite goofy, isn't it? Because mm. he, he can't imagine he has... Well, he doesn't have a lot of interaction with people. Particularly no. not children. No, definitely not. <laughs> so it's like, well, you know... You'd you'd probably do that to a a, a two year old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and not not but, and not a like a like a psychologically damaged twelve year old who's twelve going on twenty seven. No, um, but it kind of distracts her yeah. ever so slightly, um, and then she asks what his name is, and he says Leon. And she says, cute name. And then he gags on his milk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is quite good. Um, And then he kind of goes off and does something else. And she opens up the case that's on the table. And because she's playing with a bullet, isn't she? Yeah. 
and then she sees all the guns and and he doesn't like go to cover it up particularly he just he's quite matter of fact and she asks yeah. what he does and he's a cleaner um and then um he, you know he, he, how much would it cost to get the people who killed the, the family um and then he gets a little bit annoyed and he gives her a gun and he says right you go and do it yourself um yeah. and she asks to stay and he you know he kind of says no but yeah she, she kind of offers to be his maid doesn't she yeah i'll be your maid i'll do everything for you and if you if you if you teach me you know teach me what to do because she can't afford five grand a head at the time and she she's kind of checks over his morals as well doesn't she because what are the rules and he says no women no kids yes and um he still says no no not happening you've got to go to bed we'll talk about it tomorrow um she goes to bed he goes and sits in his chair mm. and then uh, i don't know it must be a, a little while later yeah he it's like he has a a brief moment of a oh, fuck this and uh yeah just goes gets his gun sticks a silencer on it and then holds it to her while she sleeps and just you know maybe just put her out of a misery is it like is it a case of i don't need this in my life is it that i can't do anything for her put her out of a misery whatever he, he goes to shoot her and then doesn't and uh see, which is probably for the best yeah see i always thought that he's doing it because she's a witness or she's doing it well, yeah. because she's seen his stuff you know um and like you said it could be a bit of everything really couldn't it yeah yeah and if he is a little bit simple if you want to put it that way it could be a mixture of everything he, he you know he, he's in a situation he's not he's in no way conditioned to be able to handle which is weird considering he's a you know he's a cleaner he should be able to handle anything but like i said real life and <clears throat> but you know weird complex relationships he's, he's not he, he's useless at it mm. doesn't know what to do no um so the next day he's up and he's quite agitated he's doing his morning routine his sit-ups and whatever um and then he tells her that she's got to leave um uh, after breakfast um and she then realizes that he can't read because she writes mm. a note down um and he goes to read it but she got he can't read it um so she says that she wants to be a cleaner and he gives her the gun. Oh, this is where he gives the gun and he, he, he doesn't, he just doesn't want the hassle at this point, does he? He doesn't want, he just wants her to no. go. Yeah. He doesn't need, doesn't need this kind of change in his life because she tells him, if you don't help me, I'll be dead by, I'll be dead by tonight. Yes. Or I'll die tonight. And I don't want to die. Yeah. Um, emotional blackmail there. And then she fires indiscriminately out of the window. Yeah. Cause he doesn't think that she can do it. So she, no. she picks up the gun and shoots out the window just to sort of like, prove to him look yeah i can do it um what, what fucking and, damage does she cause then well yeah and then um the um i mean you get the feeling that it's one of those neighborhoods where gunfire and stuff like that isn't unusual yeah true true <laughs> so um but so anyway then there's one of two scenes where you see them leaving their apartment <laughs> yeah, having to move home yes <laughs> Um, and the thing is with Leon he travels light doesn't he he's got hardly anything he's got his case yeah. full of guns he's got his violin case which you assume is full of weapons guns. it's like he's got one set of clothes or sorry maybe two sets of clothes like a light he's got one, one, one pair of trousers that don't fit a hat some braces and then a black long sleeve top and a white long sleeve top yeah well, that's about it and a coat and his plant and that's it oh yeah 
Um, and, you know, he, it, so he stops as they're walking down the street, says, don't do that again. Obviously, not professional. And, you know, um, and then, yeah, next hotel, manager at the lobby. Um, and uh, she starts to take over at this point, doesn't she? She does all the talking for him. Yeah. Well, she's more equipped for conversation than he is. And also, you can get the idea that she's quite streetwise with yeah. a lot of this stuff isn't she? Um, because, you know, she says she likes, she likes to fill out the forms. She, because he, he questions her about, you know, you know, you don't think you're going to play that in the hotel. And, you know, she says that she's, she going to, is it Ju- Julia, Juilliard or somewhere like that? Something like that. Yeah. And she needs to practice and he kind of, yeah, because she talks him round and they give her, they give him a room down the bottom of the hall. So there's less people around them. So they won't, won't disturb as many people as they would do if they were practicing in like, if you had like a, a room in the middle of the floor or whatnot. So yeah, she, she takes over that situation because she's, she's more equipped and quicker at reacting to a situation where she's pretending Leon is related to her or whatever. Well, she uh, says it's Leon... her dad, isn't it? She says yeah. it's her dad, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas Leon's it got you've got no mental capacity to deal with the trying to get past anything, pretending to have a daughter. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like he freezes or he doesn't have no idea what to do. Yeah, and she fills out the form. She goes to the apartment. He goes back. He goes to the apartment. He's checking it around, um, and then she again asks Leon to teach her how to be a cleaner. Um, and then you get a scene between Leon and Tony, uh, and then. He uh, basically says he he's wants to train, you know, because Tony's a bit confused as to why he wants the item that he gets out for him, yeah. which turns out to be a sniper rifle. Yeah, <laughs> well, I thought <laughs> that's the thing because he's like, "What do you want that for? This is for training purposes." Because he's worried that he's just training and not, you know, not taking jobs. He doesn't need it. And I thought it was like, "Oh, like a little baby gun," because I've forgotten all this. I thought it was like, well, like a little baby gun or something. And then I thought, oh, it's a fucking great sniper rifle. <laughs> Obviously, it's not quite a fucking great sniper rifle, but it wasn't quite what I expected. Yeah. But there's a nice shot where he goes to open up the case to check it, but then he it opens up and he's on the rooftop, which is, yeah. is cool. Um, and he, he's teaching her about the rifles, the first thing you learn to use as a, a, a cleaner. And then the knife's the last one because you're the closer you are, the more skilled you are at yeah, being. I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, and then they're on the roof. They're spotting people in the park jogging and various. And then this high-profile sort of dude gets out of a limo. Yeah, dude is the right word as well. I don't know what he would be, but yeah, some dude in an orange shell suit with loads of security. Well, I always think. I mean, he's not. You don't think he's like a rock star or whatever, but you think no. I always thought he's like a politician or something. I thought politician or like daytime, like a Jay Leno style character. Yeah, because he kind of even makes a little crack, you know. Oh, oh, I want this to look as natural as possible, which kind of made me think. Well, he's a politician because you know politicians are all about you know trying to be natural when they're just fucking aliens or whatever, um, and not normal people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's going for his jog with his. Um, well, armed bodyguards who don't look armed particularly. Um, and then she uh, has got the sniper rifle and he kind of, its again, it's, he's going through it. She, so she's picking out people. She use, uses his mantra again, which like you said, because like, she points the gun at a group of kids, you know, no women, no children. And then um, 
he uh she says worry about this guy and so you know he's kind of going through the the training isn't he I watch him jogging you know imagine that yeah. you're jogging with him all that kind of it's very cool Follow him, you know how you breathe you don't take the cap off till the last minute because it reflects light and they can see you from a mile away all that all that kind of good stuff yeah and then um she shoots and it turns out it's paint and and, and yeah. um then obviously little bodyguards spring on top of him and um you know it, it's never really explained who this guy is no which, you know, it's fine. You don't need to know who he is, but uh, it's just quite... Because I think Leon, at this point, thinks, shit, <laughs> we've attracted yeah. quite a bit of attention here. And then she goes, can we go to Real Bullets? And he's like, no, we need to pack up. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. Which, again, is quite a nice... It's quite a funny... Because the thing is with this film, as, as violent and it's got quite uncomfortable and, and uh, you know, a lot of things going on, you know, like abuse with children and mm. you know potential relationship between an adult sexual relationship and between an adult and a child there's quite a lot of funny moments in it too yeah it's like subtle dark humor isn't it it's not it's not in your face it's not slapstick or anything particularly it's yeah and then you get your nice little bjork training montage which i liked i mean you, yeah. you know i'm probably thinking i'm taking the piss but that's what it is, isn't it? You know, it's there's a, a, a Bjork. Um, is it Venus as a boy? Something like that. Yeah. The... Do you like Bjork? Mm. <laughs> no, no, not not really. I can kind of appreciate that that she was different and did stuff a bit weird, which is better than being bland and you know awful. I'd rather someone was a bit more unique and at least interesting. Whether I like it or not is another question. But I, you know, I'd rather have hundred of her around rather than fucking Westlife or something like that. Mm. There was that, but I did have an album of hers, which is probably an album that most people had from the 90s, um, which had big time sensuality on it, I think it was, um, which no, they yeah. played a lot in clubs at the time when I was yes, going out. So, yeah. and then obviously this came out. I think it's, pro I think it might be for the same album, but either way, I'm not, yeah, again, similar to you, I'm not a huge fan, but what I do think is that this song really fits the tone of the film. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, if it had been Dolly Parton 9 to 5, it would have been shocking, but it's this. <laughs> so there's, the, like you said, there's a nice little, the scenes uh, of them cleaning, um, you know, getting stuff, um, training, doing sit-ups. Um, she's tired uh, because she's, she's still a child, really, isn't she? I mean, yeah, she wants 12, to the live the day, this life, she? but she's still a child. Mm. She's getting bored of the routine, you know. She's she's you know she's doing the training because remember he's not doing jobs at this point, so she's doing all the training that he's giving her. And I'm assuming then when she's cleaning windows and and fucking washing up and whatnot, he's just sat in his chair waiting for someone to attack him mm. because he's paranoid. Because we find out later that you know, Tony says you've not you've not you've not been doing any jobs recently, so she's doing everything that he's doing. Plus all the housework, and she's twelve. Yes, but a nice little callback. So she gives up the sit-ups for doing the the stuff on the TV, which his sister was doing. <laughs> he's, um, not, he's not impressed. Yeah, he's not <laughs> impressed. Um, and then also, I suppose on the flip side of that though, is that she's teaching him how to read and write. No, that's true. Yeah, which is is cool. Um, and then she suggests, you know, that they're getting, she's getting a bit tired and fed up of training. You know, needs to. Um, break the routine, break the cycle a little bit uh, by playing a game, and it's charades. And then she dresses up in a couple of really suggestive 
And these were her ideas, apparently. Um, yes. Th- these well, weren't, where, you know, f- forced upon her. From? Hey, where did the clothes come from? I don't know because that's part. It's kind of, again when you get the little training stuff. She does unpack some clothes, but you don't know where from because she doesn't get them from the apartment. She doesn't go back to the no. apartment at this time. So it's like, where have these clothes come from? Unless they were left behind, perhaps from the previous Ooh, dirty dead people's hotel clothes. Occupants, mm. a bra and knickers, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she she does Madonna and Marilyn, which is. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, she she wasn't told to do these. These were her ideas because she liked Madonna. She'd seen um Mar- she'd seen Marilyn Monroe being done weirdly enough by Mike Myers in I think she said it was Wayne's World. So that's where she got that idea from because she hadn't watched okay. um the film that that came from, but that's where she got the idea from to do Marilyn Monroe. Um and then yeah, but the, and the thing is as well, is that this is kind of what I was saying about earlier on about although she's kind of wants to live this this life, she's still a child, isn't? And like this, yeah. is, she's st- she's excited because she wants to play a game and she wants to do yeah. something fun, which she hasn't had really in her life at all, has she? No, 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 not at all. But after Madonna and Marilyn fail, she does Charlie Chaplin. Yep. And then uh, Grace Kelly. Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Kelly, which he finally gets. <laughs> Just then, about, yeah. You'd think he'd yeah. get Chaplin if he likes black and yeah, white yeah. films and stuff. That is but... true, yeah. Then, then it's his turn, and um, he does a terrible John Wayne impression. Um, yeah. But, but it's quite funny. But she doesn't get it either. But he looks slightly disappointed mm. that she doesn't get it, and she sort of tries to reassure him that um, that it was really good. <clears throat> And yeah. then, then you see him talking about. Oh, he's talking about plants, isn't he? So that you know, his plant is his best friend. Yeah, which again is really sad, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's and it has no roots, much like him. So he sees like his equal is a fucking pot plant. Yeah, and um, but then they have a water fight. But the, the, just prior to that, she said mm. she says something like, "You know, you should be watering me if you want me to grow." Yeah, which was weird. I d- yeah, I don't know if there was anything meant in that, but no, it's, it, you could take that out of context either way. You could you could just say that she's you know she, is is she just thriving off the fact now that that, that someone's paying her attention? They're not an arsehole. Mm-hmm. But then she can be quite manipulative at points as well. It's a very very complex character. Mm. Um, but then, like you said, they she he starts spraying her with the the gun, uh, not gun, you know the. <laughs> and then, then the credits roll. <laughs> what? What do you call it? Like a spray gun, isn't it? You know, yeah, when he's, like he's water, cleaning like his plant with. Um, yeah. And they have a water fight, and she gets the bucket, of the bowl of wherever of water, and throws it on him, and, and then hides in the uh, the wardrobe. And then I think for the for one of the, if not the only time, you actually really hear her laughing, like she's just she's a kid. Yeah, you know when you, you play with the kids and they're laughing and giggling and stuff when I play with my girls and you know and they're just going nuts because you, they're having fun. Yeah, that doesn't th- sound like acting laughing. It sounds genuine. It does. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then go back to Tony in the restaurant and uh, again Tony suggests it's been a long time since he's seen Leon and he's been training. Um, and and Leon asks about his money. 
which Tony's been Tony's looking a after. Fucking crook, isn't he? <laughs> he, he? Tony's not been looking after his money at no. all. He's been taking advantage of Leon, you know. Absolutely, yeah, because because Leon says it's five grand a head. Yeah, and he, he, you know, he's getting nothing, is he? he? Tony's always like, no, no, I've got your money. Yeah, the bank of Tony, it's better because you don't want to put your money in a bank because they always get robbed. You know, so who's going to look after you? No one's going to rob Tony. Tony's the bank. Tony's well good. And Tony, and also Leon. banks need forms filling in, and you know, Leon doesn't like forms. And but Leon actually surprises Tony because he says, "I can read and write now." Yeah. And so it's almost like Tony's like, oh, shit, you know, and because he's asking about his money. So it's like um, Leon's probably been killing for years. And I can't imagine he gets five grand himself because no, like, he'll get a cut of that. No, definitely not. But I think he just gets his rent paid and a bit of shopping money because he says that he, he must owe him hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he gives him one grand and Leon's like, don't want it. So obviously, like, because he's almost embarrassed for the fact that he's getting given a thousand dollars. So you can see that, you know, he doesn't give him much and he doesn't give him it very often either, I don't think. No. So although you do get the feeling that Tony... I think he cares for Leon. He he does care for Leon, Mm. but he's definitely taking advantage of him. Oh, definitely. Um, And again, I think that's the thing with it. He manipulates Leon to a point where, you know, he gets him to do all these jobs, which he's very good at. But then he's he doesn't treat him very well because, like I said, he doesn't give him his money. He does, he he locks him into this life. He doesn't give him any yeah. opportunities to do anything else, does he? Yeah, no. He's he's always living in fucking squalor. He's got just enough milk, just enough milk, just enough money for milk <laughs> because you don't see him eating. I oh, know he's. No, I don't think you actually see him eat anything. You see him with a plate of food at one point, but you never. He's, you only ever see him drink milk. He mm-hmm. must eat some food at some point, surely. Mm. He hasn't got a lot of food in his apartment, has he? Like, I noticed no. he's got a jar on his kitchen table, and I think that's about it. You know, he's got nothing really. Um, but anyway, Leon sees Matilda outside, and he's talking to a boy, um, and he he goes out and he stops her talking to him, and she gets a bit pissy with him because she's smoking a cigarette and then you know he makes her stop smoking and also says you got to stop swearing now one thing i didn't know about this scene was is leon protecting her or is he jealous that she's actually talking to another guy i <clears throat> i think he's protected her at this point yeah because he's never had this is the thing is that he's never had anything to protect apart from his plant yeah, and and the, no, there is a relationship forming. So I do think, yeah, I think, yeah, he's, he's protecting her because you know, he's found he's got someone in his life now who speaks to him like a human being and doesn't just want him to go and murder people. Yeah, you know, and he he, he has had a laugh with a water fight and that, and you know, so he doesn't, doesn't laugh very often, doesn't get any of that. I mean, it's the it's the counterproductive thing obviously obviously is that he's softening. So you know, you, you will see that he he starts to pick, you don't see the most of it after but he starts to become a little less professional he makes mistakes doesn't he yeah he start yeah he start he start he starts wobbling in his career a little bit and the other thing as well is that when he's laughing when they have the water fight it doesn't sound quite like a proper laugh does it it's almost like (laughs) yeah you know it's like he doesn't know how to yeah he knows it's like he knows this is fun but he because you know there won't be much laughter in his line of work ever. No. And considering all he does is that, you're not going to be laughing when you're cleaning your plant, 
drinking milk's not the most hilarious thing in the world, and sitting in a chair. You know, I don't often sit in a chair and just laugh to myself either. So, <laughs> this this man has no. Oh no, he, he, he does. Yeah, he gets to he gets to smile at the cinema. The cinema, so, yeah, yeah, that's about yeah. it. Um, I, yeah, I think protective. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And then, so anyway, go back to the apartment. She sort of lies on the bed. She says she got a funny feeling in the tummy. That she's actually fe- falling in love with Leon, which may- makes him gag on his milk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gags um, on quite a bit of milk. And um, yeah, so she, you know, he asks why she feels it in her stomach, you know, and um, it's, you know, he realizes that he's late for work at this point and he leaves the apartment. Mm. And this is this is the thing, isn't it? Like he, he hates being late. So it's these little things are slipping into the I suppose the humanity of, of what's going on. Yeah. Is affecting his like I said earlier on, he's a kind of like robotic nature, you know. Yeah. He's now being forced to have human interaction, so his life isn't so binary, is it? You're either working or not working, yeah. which is his entire existence. Um, and so he goes out, he goes to the apartment, he leans against the wall and he looks apprehensive and he looks confused. I don't know. He does. He looks like, I don't know, like he just doesn't know how to deal with the situation. He's just been told by a girl he's developing a relationship with that she loves him. Yeah. And he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to process that, you know. He doesn't know what to do. You know, she doesn't. You know, she doesn't really know what she's feeling either. I would say at twelve years old. No, I think the the thing is, like, I mean, like I said at the beginning, when you know he's shown her some kindness by giving her a handkerchief to clean her nose, is that she's 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 still a child. She doesn't know how to process the feelings that she's got properly. No. So it's like she's yes, she feels something towards Leon, but and because she's been exposed to sexual things in the in the property you know and whatever with a mom if your mom was a hooker or whatever then she's all of that damage and everything that she's experienced she just doesn't know how to deal with it and maybe this is how she's expressing it i don't know i don't know well neither of them do both of them have feelings which they don't know really what they are they don't know how to process them because they don't know how to have a healthy relationship with anyone no yeah um so then Matilda goes off, talks to the manager who she spoke to earlier on, and uh, this is where I'm not quite sure why she does this, whether she yeah, does it because sure. she wants to provoke a reaction or because she she genuinely feels it. I don't know. But she basically says, you know, it's not her dad, it's her lover. Yeah. Um, which She's- obviously incredibly wankery thing to do yeah but then does she not understand the potential consequences of that like you said does she know what does she know why she's saying what she's saying and she also doesn't understand the consequences of what she's saying even you know even if it's true well that's no, not true obviously but if that's what she wants you can't say that and then you can't lie about it either so she's she's got no concepts of of cause and effect yeah yeah um so then um she then goes back to her old apartment and um she goes she there's a cop on the door but he's not really paying any attention um and then she goes back in and gets a toy rabbit which i'm assuming was her brother's um and then she stands on the chalk line where her brother died which i think is a really good scene yeah uh because again it's almost like 
you, you didn't see him getting killed, but you know where he died. Um, and it's, you know, it, so she obviously reacts to that. And then she gets 20 grand from under the floorboards. Where the fuck did that yeah. come from? Don't know. I spent this afternoon ripping up my carpet. See if I could find twenty grand under a floorboard anywhere. It didn't work. I'm great. I'm guessing that this was potentially something that obviously she watches things go on in the house. Yeah. Uh, or the yeah. flat. So it's like, well, she may have seen her dad stash some money under there and thought, well, I'll keep an eye on that for the future or whatever. Um, and then uh, Stansfield and two of the cops come in whilst she's there. This is where I was talking about the you know the internal affairs. Uh, officers yeah. they were trying to find out why a teenage girl was gunned down a woman was gunned in a fucking bath and there's a bloke with about 13 holes in his back <laughs> like, oh and a dead four-year-old child and he's just like i haven't got time for this if you want if you you know if if you want answers come to me in my office and just gets really fucking pissy with them yeah um wow but she overhears which office he actually works in. Um, and then she gets in a taxi and tells the taxi dr- driver to follow him to the DEA office, which is, you know, he's a cop, but you don't know where he is. And so, you know, he's obviously, he's quite high up because he's got his own office. Yeah. You know, and he's part of the DEA. So, um, and then, so anyway, Matil- Matilda's watching Transformers again. <laughs> Uh, and Leon comes back from his latest job and he's got blood on his hand which you see him open the the door with Um, and then he's bought her something and it turns out it's a dress Um, and that's as far as that scene goes unless you have watched the the, sorry the director's cut which takes an entirely different tone does it? It did, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll come to the slight slight differences at the end because I want to sort of like stick with the because, uh, like I said, I don't want to give away what I think of the difference, different films. But so, what did you see then? Just out of interest. Well, at this particular point, I, well, all I've written down is she's watching Transformers. Leon's back; he's bleeding, which again is like an indication that he, you know, he's been hurt this time. And when you see him in the start of the film, it, he looks like a man who's never going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, he's bought her a present, a pink dress, and then my next note is the receptionist turns up. Oh yeah, sorry. No, yeah. I think later on you see. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There's a thing with the dress, but yeah, you're right. Then the door. There's a knock on the door. It's a manager, and um, can we have a word? And then yeah. this is the you know they're walking off yeah. again. They're signed into the hotel as Mister McGuffin. Yes, <laughs> she did that, didn't she? Because she she yeah. makes reference. She says, "Oh, I'll put it in the name of one of my school friends, you know, uh, or somebody at my school." And oh, I thought I thought MacGuffin was just a thing in a film that you that exists solely to move the plot on, or you know, like something of weird importance. Yes, I think that was the intention based on yeah. stuff I've read. But yeah, um, so anyway, then he's in the new apartment and he's in the shower. He's got a bullet in his shoulder and he's stitching himself up. So again, like you said, you, you've never seen this before. He's almost indestructible, but now. The, um, you know, he softened, like you said. Yeah. Well, like I said, when he's in the shower, you don't see any other scars or anything on it on him either. So it's like, well, he must have been hurt before, but he's not like littered with slashes, scrapes, bullet holes and all sorts of things that you see in other other films of such, you know, where you get someone who's a, you know, murders people or whatever. They, they've usually been hit several times because, you know, they, they can survive anything. But it, this, this looks like he's he's pretty much unscathed mm. most of the time. 
Um, not anymore. Yeah, and then he goes off to see, see Tony again, and Tony sort of looks at his watch like because he's having Ooh. a haircut, and he looks at his watch, and it's almost as if he he looks as if well, it, Leon's late, which isn't like Leon, um, and so uh, he, he has this conversation with Tony about you know if something happens to me, I won't. Oh, hold on, I've got. I've, hold on, I've got an extra scene here. Oh, go on, yeah. go on. Uh, it's the Russian roulette one. So that's not in the theatrical cut. Is it not? Okay. I'll, but uh, but yeah, there is a scene where I'll make a I'll make a squiggly line on that one and we can we can go back. We'll to come that, back yeah. to that. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But yeah, so then um yeah, so if you jump forward a little bit then <laughs> or if you say so you're following the theatrical cut is that, you know, he he basically has this conversation now if something happens to him because he's been shot, you know, it's probably the one of the first and mm. few times that he's actually Ooh. been hurt. Hold on. Right, so so in the theatrical cut, it go jumps straight to when when he's with Tony. Yeah. Oh Christ! It actually cuts out a fairly significant. Bit it's then, huge. It? They're, they're, yeah, uh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, there's massive differences in between yeah. the director's cut and the theatrical cut. Because what Shit have you got know. come after that then? Well, after that, yeah. So we've got the Russian roulette bit. Then you've got the then he's well, you've got the whole montage. There's a whole another montage of him training us like training her and breaking into like small drug dealing dens and whatnot and, and giving her all that and then there's a restaurant scene uh as well like a celebratory restaurant that's scene. weird <laughs> yep and um uh, da, 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 da. wait right, she right. tries oh, a dress then, on uh no not quite yet okay okay yeah but then yeah it goes to then tony and leon saying he wants to yeah figure out about his um well, he's saying he wants the money given to Matilda if he if he dies. Yes, if anything happens. Yeah, and and also because um, he introduces her, uh, Tony to Matilda, I think in the theatrical. Oh, sorry, in the director's cut, um, just prior to that. But there is a conversation again where he talks to Tony just before about you know he he's been thinking about his money, and Tony even says you've met a woman that does, <laughs> yeah. um, and so. Then, so this is again where it jumps probably differently to what you've got. So after he has that conversation with Tony, he then you see Matilda dressed like Leon, with the hat, with the glasses, and this is where she goes to the DEA's office. Have you got oh, that? Um, da, 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 da. Right, let me. Uh, yeah, well, hold on, I'm trying to try and the start my note thing is this the one where because he's because he says he's going out without her or is is that bit cut out and it just goes to her it just as, goes just goes to her dressed up yeah, like she's, him she's buying an orange yes and she's got his yeah, yeah yeah got you yeah and then so um stansfield gets out of her car he go he almost looks in her direction which i think he notices her then but yeah. then because then she goes to walk towards the DA building but then Stansfield goes back to the car looks back in her direction probably to check that he was right in the first place um and then he goes back in she goes into the building and she's got a, like she's carrying loads of food and there's yeah. there's a guy like a metal detector and there's a guy there's two guys on the desk there's no way that they would have let her into that building no. to roam around no. on her own, is there? Mind you, it, mind, yeah, mind you, it's, it's pre pre nine eleven, isn't it? So, but even even so, I think yeah, they would they would have scanned her, 
just because she's a kid, if someone's like, oh, I've got a special delivery, because I've got a, a weird pizza box and a, and a big brown paper bag, yeah, that's still going through the scanner. Yeah, they don't. so they don't suspect her at all, do they? So they just let her through, no. and she because she says that she's got food for... Does she actually say it's his bill, it's his office? I think she does, yeah, for yeah, because he's in the background, isn't he, chatting with someone? Yeah. And obviously he's keeping his ears proper wide open at this point. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to the restroom and uh, then she follows him in. It's very quiet and she's looking in the stalls. And the last stall, the furthest away from the door, is the one that's closed. So she stands yeah. outside that and then the door where she walked through the main entrance shuts and stands fills behind the door. Yes. And this is a fucking good scene. Oh, I mean, good, isn't it? it's because he basically takes the lead. She doesn't say anything at all, um, really, up until a point. And he um, he goes to the um, to the that he washes his face. He takes a tablet. Uh, you know, when he takes a tablet, shit's going to kick off. Um, and you know, he, he makes reference to you know, well, what food have you got? Is it Thai? Is it Chinese? Is it Italian? Which I suppose makes reference to the people that he deals with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 it does actually, yeah. Um, and then she, uh, well, again, he says, oh, let me guess, it's Italian. And uh, he wants to know who made the food, what the chef put in it, what his name was, all this kind of stuff. And he gets yeah, really she, close it's to really her. It's really intense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He kind of strokes her, doesn't he? And sort of pulls at her bottom lip with his thumb. It's really intense. Yeah. And um she and she's shitting herself. At this point, it's like she's she's you know, she's got the tools there, all bravado, thinking I'm gonna go and do this. At this moment she's crapping herself. Yeah. And so he he makes her put the, the stuff on the floor and then like you said, he he walks up to her and she she's upset, she's crying. Because again, yeah. she's a kid, you know. Exactly, yeah. Um and he gets closer and he, you know, he basically says to her, you know, I take no pleasure in uh, taking life from people who don't appreciate it. So he's basically, he likes killing people when they're scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. You th I heard it and I thought, oh, right. So what is he pretending to be like? He doesn't kill doesn't kill nasty people. And then I was like, no, hold on. That's it's exactly the opposite of what he's just said. Yeah. He takes great pleasure in killing is what he actually says. Yeah. But he, oh, yeah, he's, he's chilling. Cause he says, uh, she, he asks her what piece of shit have I done? And she says, you killed my brother. Um, which again, technically he didn't, it was no, true. the other guy. Um, but you know, Hey ho. Um, and yeah. And so then Dread comes in, disturbs them, um, because he's got his gun out at this point. And he's kind of putting it under a chin. He's 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 putting it close to a face, um, and then uh, he says that one of the cops, he's he's like second in command, has been killed. And you get a little flashback of this happening, um, and you know he, Leon bursts in, shoots a few of the Chinese people, and then he says to the guy i think his name's malky i'm sure he says yeah, his name's malky no woman no kids doesn't he no women no kids and then he he, he kind of got he, he uh he says like i'm a cop and then he shoots him um and then stansfield sort of goes to leave points his gun at matilda a few times and dread you get even dreads like fucking 
he's scared because he, yeah, he he points his gun at him a little bit as well. He doesn't know what he's, he's just unpredictable. He doesn't know what he's yeah. going to do. Well, when he actually leaves, doesn't he? Dread kind of like leans against the sink and is just like he's crapping himself. Yeah. Uh, he goes like Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> as he's got. Yeah. Um, Matilda's made, you know, what she's done. Then you know, she's almost her being caught like that has just helped that helped Stansfield, you know, tie some loose ends together. He's now, you know, knows well, he doesn't know exactly that it's Leon, but he knows that it's, it's an Italian assassin because of her. Um. Yeah, I don't know. She did. She really not helped, has she? At no. This point. Um. And then Leon comes home and he sees that there's a note which uh, she's written and she narrates it, um, you know, uh, as he's reading it. Yeah, he gets in a taxi and then you just see him break into the DEA building and yeah. he doesn't give a fuck, you know. No, he punch, punches a couple of people and then literally goes upstairs to the goes upstairs, finds where Matilda is, guns down two people, and just gets the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, and and he and she is uh, again genuine. It seems like you know she's really happy to see him, but the happiness comes out as as distress, like she's crying, and yeah. um, you know he picks her up and embraces her, and um, and then they leave, uh, and then the cops go, go to Tony's restaurant, and he's having a birthday party for a load of kids, um, and I mean this, you know, they don't give a shit really, do they? At this point, because they they burst into the birthday party. And um, Stansfield's really annoyed and upset. And again, you don't know what he's going to do because he could, he puts his gun out on the table before he even really starts talking. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out Tony's done work for him before, hasn't he? So Tony must have <clears throat> done some hits for Stansfield at some point. Yeah, and this is the thing, see, right? Because with Tony, you kind of like I said, although he's not the top maf- mafia boss, he's got to be relatively high up in the food chain, so to speak. Yeah. But even he's scared of Stansfield because he he, yeah. he goes to speak, but he he's not allowed to. No, it's like Stansfield knows exactly who the criminals are. He knows who's in charge of everything. He knows everyone, but he, like he lets them operate because at some point he might call on on their services himself. Yeah, and they, yeah. you probably and imagine that, that he, he pits knows, them yeah. against each other at some points. You know, so like yeah. if he's dealing with. <clears throat> Thai gangs or Chinese gangs or Italian gangs, he'll kind of let them fight out, you know, he'll order a hit, possibly from Leon, to go off and kill some of the Chinese people so that he can get a cut of some drugs or whatever. Yeah, he's your quintessential dirty bastard cop, isn't he, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then he tells the story about Matilda coming into the police station um, and going to kill him, and then you... You don't know this at the time, but you realise later on in the scene that obviously Tony must have, you know, spilled his guts, so to speak, yeah. uh, or or said what's happened. Probably fearful that Stansfield's going to kill some, one of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> or, he's, he's, or, or he's actually scared of Stansfield as well. Yeah. You know, it's like they could, you know, they could bring him and his whole operation down. Yes. It's now, like, yeah. interestingly, mm. this so this next scene for you then, I would imagine, is where... Is this where the dress, the trying on the dress scene comes no, on? No, that was that was before. Ah, okay. So is this yeah, the scene where they're wrong. lining in bed together? Um, because the theatrical cut it yes. skips that, and he just yeah. wakes up in bed. Yeah, Leon wakes up. Matilda gets up and goes to get some milk. Yeah, and Stansfield out is outside. Um, 
Matilda gets grabbed. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, we, yeah we're, we're, in, we're in all sorts of shenanigans now. Yeah, and this is kind of, you know, this the, the climactic scene, or I suppose, or, you know, the, the finale or whatever. Because, again, it just goes to show how much of a badass Leon is, really. Uh, because the, the SWAT grabber, they ask her if she's got a special knock on the door, which then four SWAT officers go to the door. They open it yeah. with the key, they do the knock, and then you just see, like, these fingers above the door, shut it, and then gunfire, and then all four of the cops are dead. Yeah, the door opens <laughs> uh, and just bodies. Because um, Leon's... This is why he's been doing all these stomach crunches or pull-ups because yeah. he's got he's yeah. got amazing stomach muscles hasn't he you know? yeah hasn't he yeah because he sort of loads himself like a fucking bat <laughs> <laughs> and then just then just then just winds himself straight back up again yeah and but but matilda's screaming or crying even though she's got a hand over her mouth because she thinks that leon's hurt or dead possibly but all the swat are dead and this is a great line again from gary oldman yeah where he you know he goes like you know to one of the other cops oh bring me everyone and what he goes, what, what do you mean? And it's like, bring me everyone, you know. Yeah, because he'd already told him, he? be careful, because he knows, even though he's never met him, he knows that Leon's fucking good at his job. Mm. So even when there's just like one SWAT team up there, he tells him to be careful, then they all get fucking gunned down. The ones around the corner in the hallway are a bit like, oh, Jesus Christ, what have we got into? Yeah. So yeah, all the cops turn up. Like everybody, it is yeah, like yeah, it is everybody. literally everybody, isn't it? Because the, the, <laughs> yeah. there's so many cops that pull up at this point. You know, it's it's almost you imagine it's it's um, a, a one precinct or whatever. You know, one police station or a few police stations, full of full of cops. Um, and then so um, Leon shoots five or six more, um, but then he gets shot himself uh, mm-hmm. in the arm. Um, and then, so th- then they're like panicking a bit. All the cops are because they don't know what the fuck's going on. And then there's a nice shot where um, they're talking amongst them, each other. And he says, right, you know, one of the cops says to the other, right, just poke your head around the corner and have a look. And he's there. He's got his gun in his face. <laughs> yeah. Straight into the barrel of a gun. Um, which is good. And so he, they let go of Matilda. They take the cop or he takes the cop hostage Um and then uh, she said, he says to her, grab the, the axe, and then he shoots the uh, sprinkler system, which I suppose obscures the the view. And they all open fire and kill the cop. <laughs> so yeah. there's like loads of cops being killed at this point. And then Leon shoots a few more through the little holes in the door. Um, and then they're in the hotel room, and the snipers, you know, and she apologizes and whatever. Um, and then yeah, because Leon doesn't he, he he know well he knows that they'll be outside trying to shoot him and he grabs his plant and then fucking all hell breaks loose with the amount of gunfire coming through the windows yeah then you got all the sniper the sniper lasers um that at this point the police are bringing the big guns up as well they're setting up for like some kind of siege in the fucking hallway yeah um. Leon gets the axe as they're in the kitchen and then he, he shoot up. Is it like an air conditioning thing? It's this sort of, yeah, thing? where the vent is, I guess. There's like a, yeah, a, a, yeah. so he shoots that. He, he starts smashing it with an axe. Yes. To make a hole in the wall. Yeah. Um, and then he throws, his, he wraps his plant up, throws it down the, the, the sort of opening and then um, he f- sort of pushes Matilda in and she realises that he isn't going to go with her. Yeah. And, I remember what at the time I've I've watched the Leon a lot on DVD when it came out in VHS after I watched it at the cinema, and this scene always got to me. It always kind of yeah. made me choke up or you know 
I cried perhaps when I watched it because it's it's pretty intense and emotional, isn't it? Because he realize or she realizes that he's not coming with her, and no. what he says, you know, about he's given she's given him a taste for life, you know, and he yeah. hasn't got roots. Uh, sorry, he's got, he's got roots a, now, he or he, roots. you know, it's it's pretty it's, it is pretty emotional the way he kind of they're talking to each other she's crying and then he he, he does say he loves her you know and she says yeah. that she loves him and the way he sort of pushes her away by pushing her hands to to go down the um the escape to escape um and that you know he, he feels like and just prior to that before it all this happens he's actually fallen asleep in a bed which is the first time he's ever done that, probably, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, there's a little shot of minutes. She gets up to get milk and you think he's just going to get up and get ready and he actually lays back down again and just sort of spreads himself out a little bit as if to say, do you know what? This ain't too bad, actually. He's just laying down. I quite like just it. Just relaxes, doesn't he, for a moment yeah. before it all kicks off. So, yeah, what what would you think of for this this whole scene? I think it's nice. It's an, ex- it's an excellent scene. There's a, it's, it's a lot of emotion going on there. And I'm still, and I'm still, yeah. When he says he loves it, I, I still think, I still think it's <clears throat> like from a fatherly point of view. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I'll get to sort of my thoughts on that. How, the difference between the effect it had on me watching the the director's cut and the theatrical cut, watching exactly yeah. the same scene in a minute because we're almost at the end of the film. And then as she goes through, you know, goes through down to escape and then he turns around and screams, which is, it again, it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? You could t- look at it and think, well, that's a bit fucking weird. Yeah. But it's, it sort of suits it, you know, because it's almost like the anger and frustration and everything's just come out of him, hasn't it? Yeah. All, all, all at once, it's like, he asked for none of this. His life was brutal and violent, but also amazingly simple. And now it's all got a lot more complicated. Mm. Um, and then the rocket's fired, which is a good shot. I mean, you can see the wire where it, <laughs> it's fired from. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. That, I mean, again, this, this looks like mini documentary, whatever I watched. They sh- they sh- you see the camera as it's set up and they've got a little camera dolly that's kind of five, f- goes underneath the, the rocket as, and, and that's kind of how it flies through the door and everything. It's really cool. It's a good shot. And then it obviously blows the apartment to fuck, which... Um, he he survives that. You see, you don't think he's dead at this point. You know, you know he's still alive. Um, and then the cops all go in. There's loads of smoke. There's debris. Everything's kicking off. Um, and then somebody raises the hand. You realise fairly yeah, quickly it's Leon. One. Yeah. Um, and so then Matilda is escaping at this point. She's in the bottom yeah. of the, the the escape area. It actually comes out of an oven. Yeah, it's like a furnace, <laughs> I suppose, isn't it? It's like almost yeah. like a yeah, it will be yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um and so anyway, then um Gary Oldman uh Stansfield sees Leon uh being patched up because he's kind of he's been um escorted down the stairs by the other cops who don't suspect yeah, it. They, they don't know because it's the police from every precinct. Yeah. They're not gonna recognise each other. Yeah. So they don't know it's him. So the the medic takes off his mask, you know, and he says, I'll I'll kinda of put it back on, it'll be easy for me to breathe. And um but the uh, Stansfield sees him, and then he, um, Leon gets up to leave, and the the music changes again. Is mm-hmm. quite sad and melancholy. And as Leon's leaving, 
uh, Stansfield tells all the cops to leave and go away. Um, and then he goes down a sort of stairwell. He goes to walk away. And it's almost quite hopeful because he takes his mask off and because he sees the yeah. exit he sees he's the, almost smiling isn't he because he's he thinks he's he thinks he's got out yeah and he's going towards the light so to speak and you see it from you see it from like his point of view he, as he gets towards the door you see gary oldman step out behind him and he holds the gun up yeah and then you see you see leon's point of view and you see the flash come from behind and then obviously the camera plonk, plonks down to the floor and uh, yeah, yeah, it's like what you said, like almost like a, it's like the like a reverse version of the shot where Matilda goes into the um, goes into his flat. Yeah, because you see like the the sort of like the the light, but it, it, once you see he's been shot, you see that you realise that Matilda's escaped. So it's yeah. it's like you, you know he, she's been saved again almost you know yeah. uh, through his sacrifice, um, and then Leon's on the ground. And um, Stansfield's talking, you know, uh, standing over him, and he, you know, he, he realizes that this is Stansfield, and you, you realize that obviously Leon's fatally wounded because there's blood around his head, um, yeah. and he's not going to survive. And then he, he he's holding something close to his chest, and he he says, uh, "This is from Matilda," which again is yeah. I, I, it's weirdly I, I just got a little bit choked up thinking about it then um it's it's really well done it's re- it's really sad and 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 so then he dies and it's like i like the way that the camera sort of blurs what i also like as well is that the gunshot is almost muffled so you don't hear it because i think that would have yeah. taken you out of it a little bit you know it's it almost adds to the weight of the scene with it being not fully heard yeah and then because well, this the thing isn't it i mean old leon leon at the start of the film probably would have sensed someone walking behind him. Yeah. Someone stepping out behind him. He wouldn't he wouldn't have left himself open like that for a start. But he's just wants he wants to get towards that light, wants to get towards that escape, that possibility of a life and, and everything like that. So it's like he's he's softened up that he's he's you know, he's counting himself almost as I've done it before he's actually you know, before he's actually made it. Whereas when you know at the start of the film, everything would have been calculated. He he would have been he would have been, I don't know, walking sideways, looking backwards and forwards and all sorts at the start of the film just to make sure that he gets out of there alive. He would have taken in all his surroundings, but at this point he's only focusing on where he wants to go mm. and not where he's been. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so, you know, this is for Matilda and, and Gary Oldman um, pries open his hand. He realises a grenade pin. pin uh, and he opens up his jacket and it's full of grenades and he goes, yeah. you know... Shit. Like 10 of the fucking things. <laughs> it's not like one grenade, it's all grenades. And massive explosion. And, you know, so that's it. Matilda, he, he pulled off the job and he killed the people that killed Matilda's brother and family, I guess. And then um, Matilda's at Tony's uh, because that's where he tells him to go in an hour. Uh, tells her to go, go in an hour or so to meet up. And then um, you can tell that Tony's been battered uh, yeah. by them. Uh, so obviously they're beat, beaten... He either didn't say anything to begin with, and they beat him, or they just beat Until him anyway because they're all yeah, arseholes. Yeah, you don't know, do you? Yeah, that, I did wonder that. I thought, did he squeal and then get beaten up, or did they beat him until he squealed? Yeah, um, but he uh, realizes that because um, he mentioned something about the money, and again, he does that, he sp- that speech, doesn't he? Spiel, yeah. Yeah, uh, Bank of Tony, etc., etc. Leon wanted me to leave you the money, yada yada yada. 
here's a hundred dollars. Yeah. Come back next month. Yeah. It's like fucking hell. You just you you you're still you're just trying to well obviously you, you took advantage of Leon and and you know that's trickling down even further to Matilda. So you know you should have thousands of dollars for her. And all right, you wouldn't give her to like here's two hundred thousand dollars that Leon had. But you wouldn't give it. You wouldn't give her hundred dollars a month mm. either. Mm. You'd make sure she's looked after. But he, he don't give a shit really. He tells her that the game's over. You know, Leon's dead. Stop playing fucking games. Go back to school. Yeah, and then he, she because he shouts at her, and you you get the feeling yeah. that she's genuinely upset by what he's saying, and it's, yeah. it's again it doesn't feel like acting particularly. No. Um, and um, but the, the what I quite like about it, I suppose is that little bit of sadness in as much as that because he says to Leon you know oh, nobody's going to knock off old Tony but yeah. he says that again but it's not convincing because he's had the shit beaten out of him you know yeah. so um, and then you get the feeling that he is de- genuinely upset that Leon's dead you know yeah when he says the game's over Leon's dead and it, it, it's tinged with sadness you yeah know, he did care for him he was just a fucking rip off he was a criminal at the end of the day so of course he's going to rip you off yeah but it doesn't mean that he didn't like him didn't give a fuck about him um, and so she does go back to school I mean she sort of like walks around a little bit not knowing what to do and then she goes back to school the next day and speaks to the the headmistress or whoever spoke to her on the phone and she kind of gives her a bullshit story about her parents dying in a car crash and then yeah. you know the teacher says look you got to take a chance and tell me the truth. So she does, which, she, she, which is yeah. totally unbelievable. <laughs> Completely. Um, but then she walks out the back of the school and um, then, you know, she passes a few of the girls who she doesn't really acknowledge. And then she plants the plant in the the garden and says, you know, I think we'll be okay here. And yeah. yeah. And then Sting interrupts really loudly. <laughs> And really out of nowhere and really quickly. Yeah. I don't dislike the song, but it's like, I think we'll be okay, Leon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, the, and again, so the, the camera sort of like pans up again as it started, I guess. And yeah. you see New York and Central Park, uh, I guess. And um, and yeah, it's... Uh, I, so, yeah. Um, what did you think of the film? And again, I appreciate that you saw a slightly different version. Although I saw the same version as you, so we'll talk about that in a second. Mm. But um, what did you think? It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it just is. I can't remember this. All rose-tinted spectacles or I wonder if it will hold up. No, it's just a fucking cracker. It, it's a Bobby Dazzler. It's a, it's a fucking great film. All you know, performances are amazing. Um, the, what's his name? John Renault? There you go. For some reason, I was saying, my head was going John Renault, and I was like, can't be that, surely. Yeah, John Renault, great. Natalie Portman, amazing for the age. Gary Oldman, you know, spot on. The the intensity of some of the scenes in this film is just, it's just outstanding. You know, when I watched it, I was 15, you know, I was, it, you know, I knew it had to be good for a start because I was expecting, when you hear, you know, when you're 15, you hear like film about assassins and stuff. I actually expect, expected a higher body count mm. because in reality there's a there's a scene at the scene at the start, the scene at the end. You know, once you get the parents dead out of the way, it's not it's not constant it's not constant action. There's like two little set pieces and one at the end. It's not like it's not like an eighties action film no. where it just keeps on. It's not Commando or anything like that. But uh, even then, yeah, I thought, Christ, fucking excellent. And I, I actually gave a shit about characters as well. And I, you know, usually I was more interested in Mad Dog 2020 and floppy hair. So, 
Just, just remind me again. So, when was the last time you watched this? Was it when you were young, when you were fifteen, or have you watched seen it no, since? No, it it would have been when I bought it. When I bought the American disc. Oh yes, uh, sorry. Yeah. So I would have been nineteen or twenty, probably. Wow. Okay. So, uh, from my point of view, I had two experiences with this film. So, like I said, I watched the director's cut on Saturday, which was interesting from a point of view of there were a lot of scenes in there which I'd never seen before, such as, so, uh, from the top of my head, um, there's more extended scenes where he actually takes her out training, um, which is, like you said, breaking into doors and ripping people off. He takes to one apartment, confronts a drug dealer, they set fire to the drugs, or she does, and then he yeah. shoots the guy anyway. Um, well, and that was then... the job, wasn't it? He was. He, he had to do it. She she used the old um, paintball gun. Ah, yes, yes. And he t- he taught you know the second shot's got to be higher, go for the heart or lungs. And then he goes to leave once he's shot her, and then she sets fire to the to the drugs, and 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 she says, "Well, you said no women and children. Who do you think this is going to hurt? It's not, it's not was it monkeys and something or other." Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Russian roulette scene, which was a bit odd. Um, and yeah, it was. It's a really intense scene because Matilda, because he, he basically is he telling her to go again or or whatever, and she she picks up a gun, puts some bullets in it. Or she he's got no feelings for her or something like that. I think. Yeah, and she says she says, well, well, let's see. So she puts some bullets. It's not like one bullet chamber Russian roulette. She basically fills all of them, but has one empty chamber or something. She goes to shoot herself, and he tells her that it's full. And she said, "Well, if you've got one ounce of feelings for me, any part of you that loves me in any way, any way, then you're going to regret this decision in a, in a couple of in like twenty seconds." And he he pulls the gun away just as she shoots. So well, just after, just before she shoots, and it was a live chamber. Yeah, but it it's an intense scene. But you know. I don't think it does the character of Matilda any favors because she comes a, comes across as more manipulative. Yes, yeah. In that scene, so I think it's a good scene, but yeah, it's kind of in the same way that when she tells that receptionist that that he's her lover, it comes that's like quite manipulative and just why would you? Yeah. And this this feels like yeah you mean you don't because he does care for her maybe maybe not in the way that she thinks that she wants him to. But you don't have to manipulate him like that because that just comes across as a, like too savage. I yeah, suppose. and and although she may have had feelings for him, he's still very childlike, isn't he? You know, so it's yeah. it's almost like she's turning into that manipulative kind of character, which I, you know, like you said. There's, so then there's that. Then there's the scene in a restaurant, which it, again is a bit strange because they're sort of celebrating and she's getting a bit pissed. Um, yeah. And she asks him to kiss her, and there's loads of other restaurant guests there, and and it's got oh, yeah. it's a swanky restaurant, and it doesn't it didn't seem to fit in because he wouldn't have gone in to places like that, no, would he? No, true. Even for her, he, he's more likely to have gone and got her a nice McDonald's or something. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> or or hey, I've got some, I've got fully pasteurized milk today. Yeah, <laughs> You're dining like kings. Got gold top. Um, <laughs> and then there's the scene where he, she tries the dress on and she puts it on in front. Well, she puts it on and then walks out the door and, and she then talks about basically having sex with him. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I, I never seen before. No. 
So my, I suppose, and I wrote this down, so that scene I, just, I was sort of talking about at the end where he's pushing her away and she realises that she's never going to see him again or that, you know, she can't, he can't escape with her. Yeah. My, my reaction to that was, and again, I have strong feel, sort of like memories and feelings of it, watching it at the cinema and watching it subsequently, you know, because this was the first time I watched the director's cut. So I would always get quite choked up at that point. But then having watched the director's cut, it didn't have the same impact on me at all. I didn't feel uh, real, any emotion towards it at all. And But the weird thing was then, a few days later when I watched the theatrical cut and actually started making my notes, I did, I felt choked up, I felt that emotion again. And it's, so, yeah. it's strange because they're basically essentially the same scenes. But because, and from my point of view... If I was going to say to somebody to, you know, if you could watch any version of this, if you, you know, to pick one, I would 100% always say the theatrical cut. It feels yeah. leaner. It feels like there are a lot of the scenes in there that don't need to be there particularly. Could be my own bias or prejudice because it's the only version I've ever known of it. But I never felt what the scenes that they added or the director added to it did much. They didn't do anything for me. If anything, no, they, they got didn't. in the way. They they made it feel bad. It felt baggy. It felt yeah. I I quite like the I quite like the trading montage. The dress scenes complicated because they had that chat, didn't it? Because she because she's talking about like you know her sexuality, and he. It's the thing about his character, isn't it? Because people say mm, he's a he's a pedo or whatever, and and, and I'm, even with the extra scenes. It only ever comes across to me that it's more like a fatherly, fatherly love from him, because he t he talks to her about the only time he's ever loved when he was like before he be uh, just before he became a came to America and became a hitman, and it's to me it was like he was telling her all this because because he's not used to having relations. He doesn't he doesn't want to hurt her. I think that's the thing about him is he. Um, I think he understands how much pain she's had in her short life. So he doesn't want to do anything to hurt her in the slightest. And he is not in any way, shape or form equipped just to straight out say no. Hmm. He's trying to put context behind it. But he's only got the context of his extremely limited life that he's had himself. Hmm. So he, had, he had tells his backstory. I think there's never any danger that it would have gone... You know that the relationship would have gone where she thinks she wants it to go because I'm not convinced that she, you know, that's actually what she wants anyway. Because like I said, she's fucking twelve at the end of the day, so this is what she thinks she wants, but she's not. She's not grown up enough to know. And I don't think you've never, you're never going to be. I don't think as a character he was ever going to take advantage of anything. But he also doesn't know how to deal with it either. Mm -hmm. But I think he knows the relationship he wants or he has or feels is definitely that of like a father daughter. Yeah, and I've never anything else. Uh, so, and I've always felt that up yeah. up until the point where I have watched the the director's cut, and then that kind of made me not necessarily think that he was or there was a chance that they could have had any kind of sexual relationship. But at the same time, it did complicate it a bit more for me, and it did make me, you know, it, it sort of. Whereas before, I always felt that it was that kind of father daughter almost relationship developing to a certain extent or, or you know that kind of um that love from that point of view whereas like you said i think she kind of she, she doesn't understand what she's saying or doing particularly no. but this is how she's expressing it 
but and he t- he's also just he's just as ill-equipped as she is to deal with his own feelings. Yeah, but I don't think the feelings are sinister. N- but he doesn't know he doesn't know how to be doesn't know how to be a father. Yet he's being forced to be into a father with a situation where the person you think of as a daughter is then telling you she wants something else. He can't deal with that anyway. He doesn't know what to do. So yeah, I. I so I never changed from that opinion at all that he only ever wanted to be like a fatherly figure. But I can, yeah, I don't think it necessarily needed to be in there because it, not that it muddies the waters, but it's, I think it's such a complicated, it's such a weirdly complicated relationship that they've got. And both characters are complicated in the way that they have experienced the world that, it actually didn't need to be in there. Yeah, yeah I think that. I think that's what it is. Mm. So, but I mean, interestingly, again, having done a little bit of research and reading, so the the woman or girl uh, who plays the 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 she's called Blonde Babe in the the um, <laughs> is it the one at the start? IMDb, yeah, the one that the fat guy um, it, it wants. She was engaged to Luke Besson at the time of the film was made, and and so again watching some of these little documentaries and stuff that um they met when she was 11 and she fell in love with him uh when she was 15 and besson was 32 at the time <laughs> so <Jesus>. which <laughs> so and again from what i understand is a lot of these scenes the reason why they were taken out was because when they were shown to test audiences it made them feel uncomfortable they didn't know how to to deal with it um yeah understandably i'd imagine yeah yeah i don't know i completely get it and i don't think i would have had the sort of uh feelings towards leon had that been the version i would have watched back then if you know what i mean if if it wasn't the theatrical version if you know if i if i'd have seen the director's cut back then i don't know if it, if it would have stood up for me like i wouldn't have held it in such high regard yeah if you know what i mean yeah you know no the, the theatrical version is definitely the better version but it, it's an interesting director's cut. Yeah, you know most director's cuts are here's an extended action sequence, yeah. like you know, like yeah. or something. They add nothing to it. It always used to be like eight minutes of footage as well. But this adds weird context into scenes and 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 alternate things and whatnot. It's 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 interesting. It, but it, I think yeah, the theatrical version is better. It it is nearly twenty five minutes worth of footage, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, like you said, yeah. that's a. A decent a director's chunk. cut, isn't it? Mm. So, so I suppose again from having thought about it, and and when I watched it, I was because I put log everything on letterboxed, and I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. This, and it's weird for me to say. I thought because I love Leon, I think that it's a great yeah. film, but then I didn't know how I felt about the the, the director's cut, and so I kind of gave it three stars, but then having watched the theatrical cut, I gave it five stars because. I do, I do, I do love that version of it. I think, yeah. I think it's a great, great film. It really, for all the reasons you've said, um, and you know what it reminded me of as well. Going to back to video games, Go on. different context, I suppose, different characters, but it reminded me of The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, because of the the nature of the relationship between Ellie and Joel, and you know her, him not wanting responsibility for her, but then ultimately at the you know, as they, they they progress and get to know each other, him, you know, caring deeply for her and willing to sacrifice everything for her, um, you know, so, 
anyway. But it's a cracker. It's a cracking film. It's weirdly... I mean, the kind of this. I knew it was going to be similar to The Crow because I suppose of the personal feelings towards it. But it, it does. It feels a little bit like that. I suppose um, that the, this it, this is probably one of the best films I think we've ever watched, if not the yeah. best film, alongside I'd, The Crow. You know, yeah. for, for personal yeah. no, reasons. I'd say you're right, and and weirdly like The Crow as well. It's a film that. I, I do hold in, in my head, hold in massively high regard, but don't watch very often. Yes. Yeah. So mm. there you are. Anyway, we had yeah. some Twitter mm. correspondence. So do you want to start? Certainly can. Right. We've got uh, Gareth Cutcliffe at Cutty1427. And he said, love this film as a kid. Remember taping it off Channel 4 one night and then watching it over and over again. The film was originally going to be called The Cleaner, as the character Leon was inspired by Victor the Cleaner from the film Nikita, also played by Jean Reno. Really looking forward to this one, Chris. It's it's funny because I watched um, a, a few clips on YouTube of um, that's the scene in Nikita where he appears. And I think the difference between the two characters is that, you know, the cleaner from uh, Nikita is, is quite cold and clinical and a bit like Gary Oldman's character in some ways like he's he, you know he, he'll just murder people left right and center whereas with um Leon's you see that he's quite childlike you know yeah. when he's not killing people I guess so yeah um excellent it's it's it is your typical channel 4 film isn't it absolutely <laughs> god it was imagine ITV of the early 90s cutting this to shreds <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, okay, okay. Cyball at Cyball27. Um, showed this to my son about a year ago. He loves it. Our favourite phrase from the film is, there is no goddamn pig in the kitchen. In this kitchen, sorry. Watched this film to death when it came out on VHS. Always viewed it as a sort of unofficial sequel to Nikita. Cool. And then next we've got Shorty Boy, who has said, love this film, an all-time classic. Everything about it oozes class. Don't bother with the extended version, though. The theatrical the theatrical cut is better. Mm. And then Susan replied to that, uh, it hurts to poop. Uh, and wayless nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then finally, Seth Lawrence West at Seth L. West. Um, everyone needs a pot plant to care for to stay sane. Excellent. Very good. Right. Um, so that was it. That was my pick for um, this show. We're coming up to Halloween. Well, yeah. and that's going to mean nothing to people who listen to this at fucking Christmas or wherever. But yeah. anyway, what <laughs> is the film that we're going to be talking about come Halloween? Halloween. Oh, see, I, you know, I had a few options here. Um, didn't know where to go really, but I chose one. I thought, oh, why not? Let's 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 do something happy for a change for Halloween. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So we're going back to 1984. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah. I'll be interested if you get this for many names. Right. Directed by Mick Jackson. No. I'll give you some of the top cast. Uh, Reese Dinsdale. Uh, so it's a British film because he's British. Um, nineteen eighty four. Mm. You're gonna bloody get it, aren't you, slag? Uh, <laughs> horror film. Uh, it's not American Wealth in London because that was a bit earlier, I think. 
Reese Dinsdale. Fuck. I can picture him, but I'm trying to think what his film, films he's been yeah, in. Yeah, I, I now know who exactly who he is. Was he the fellow who was in Me and My Girl? Yes. No, not Me and My Girl. Um, uh, Reese Dinsdale. What was Dinsdale. the one where his father? His father was... was... Oh, John Thor. He... Yeah, yes. Um, yeah. Me and My Girl was different. That had a scouse woman with big earrings in it. Yeah. Well, no, he no, didn't. No, he didn't. That was different. I'm thinking, well, I'm, that was watching. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know which one you mean. No, he he, look, he does look a bit like that. Um, yeah. oh. No, he, he was John Thor's son in one of them, wasn't he? Yeah. What the fuck was that called? Uh, uh, Home mm, to Roost. About, uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, go on. I can't think. I could um, I could cheat now, but I'm not going to. Uh, Rita May. No, don't know. Ruth Holden. No. Good old Harry Beatty. <laughs> no. Um, Jane Hazelgrove. Oh, Christ. No, no idea. Okay. Um, I'm running out of people here, to be honest. Uh, Peter Faulkner, Steve Halliwell, Phil Rose. No. Anthony Collin, Karen Meager, or Mia, David Brearley, Nicholas Lane, Henry Moxon. I have no idea. I don't know. Well, I've run out of cast now. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. I'll just tell you then. Yes, for Halloween, we are watching, you know, the happy, merry, lucky, lovely, fairy painted thing. Uh, yeah, we're, we're facing nu- nuclear Armageddon in threads. Oh, God, I've never watched this. Ooh, I've heard about it. I've heard it's quite chilling. Yeah, it's, 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 it's quite miserable. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Excellent. That's what we're doing. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to that because I've I've heard lots about it, but I've never actually seen it. Ooh, it would be interesting. I take it you've seen it before. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is it a horror film? Well, I suppose it's pretty well, horrific if he's got a nuclear um, Armageddon or whatever. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd call it. I'd, I'd put it. I'd class it as that. It's not a thriller. Not a comedy. Fair enough. Okay. Excellent. Right. Well, there you go. So in our next episode, we'll be talking about threads. Right. If you've enjoyed this show, then please go to 60mw.co.uk. Have a look at the website. Have a look at all the other shows that we've done. Um, We've done some crackers. And uh, yeah, have a look at all the other podcasts that are on there. All the news items, all the reviews, etc. If you go to Twitter, which is at 60mw.co.uk podcast uh then you'll find all the other bits and pieces that are on there all the giveaways all that sort of stuff um i'm at dastardly jabby where can you be found i can be found uh lurking around ape mutterings excellent and thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed the show uh again it's one of those shows i do, i enjoy all of them but you know sometimes you get the feeling that you think well this has been a it's been really sort of special and nice to talk about sort of uh, a film that means a lot to you i think you know yeah, uh, really so uh thank you for um this is actually you i'm addressing not the listener oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah thanks for, for for this mate it's been really cool and yeah, thank um you it's for by. It. and uh yeah we'll see you next time to chat about some lovely cheery stuff in threads but uh see you soon bye-bye bye-bye
holds the cards as a meditation And those he plays never suspect He doesn't play for the money he wins He doesn't play for respect He deals the cards to find the answer Sacred geometry of chance, the hidden law of a probable outcome, the numbers lead a dance. I know that the spades are the swords of a soldier, I know that the clubs are weapons of war, I know that diamonds. Money for this art But that's not the shape of my heart He may play the jack of diamonds He may lay the queen of spades He may conceive a king in his hand While a memory of it fades swords of a soldier I know that the clubs are weapons of war I know that diamonds make money for this art but that's not the shape of my heart that's not the shape Shape of my 